welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we are releasing a special episode that is taken from some of the attendees of the recent Low Carb Denver 2023 conference that I attended in Denver, Colorado. We actually discussed this with Dr. Jeffrey Gerber in episode 415. He is the one that puts this event on and has done this conference for many, many years. And so I would recommend going back to listen to that podcast if you want to learn more about the conference. You just cannot believe how much work goes into putting some of these together. And he did such an amazing job. He's done an amazing job in the past. I've been to the the 2020 um, event, which was fantastic. Just so happened to coincide with the weekend that the world was absolutely like shutting down. And this was no exception besides the pandemic. Um, It was just such a great event. And I loved attending every minute of this. Before we get into exactly what this episode is and what format it is in, I wanted to take a few minutes to describe the conference and tell you some of the stories that I saw um, and, and some of the things that I experienced while I was there. So that's what this episode is going to be. We are going to be hearing from some of the attendees of the conference. But like I said, before we do that, I just want to talk about my experience as I was there. So I did travel to the conference by car, probably not the smartest traveling from Salt Lake City to Denver, Colorado. Um, in the wintertime, going up and over different mountain passes was uh, a little bit stressful. There was definitely a lot of snow and some whiteout conditions, but ended up making it. I was fortunate enough to stay with some of my in-laws in Evergreen, Colorado. If you're familiar with the area, it's just up in the hills. And they were kind enough to let me stay there overnight, which is fantastic. It was one degree when I got there, so very, very cold. And they have a very tight and twisty kind of a driveway to get down to their house. And so my car was able to get down the road. Um, I should have really uh, second-guessed that decision because it was way too icy to get the car up the road when I needed to go to the conference the next morning. So fortunately, um, my in-laws were nice enough to give me their truck for the day, which is fantastic. So thank you, Eric, for letting me borrow your truck to get to the conference. was a little bit late because of that. Getting into the conference is kind of interesting. Like you, you get there and you know everybody's sitting down. There's over a thousand people attending the show, and you kind of feel um, a little weird. People aren't like talking to each other, and you're listening to some of the talks that are going on. I, I tried to take a lot of notes. I always sit in the front row for these things and and try to take in all the speakers. It's just an amazing contrast to when you leave the show and you're just like hugging everybody and all the amazing people that you met, all of your heroes, everybody <laughs> that, that you follow, people that have been on the show like multiple times. Like, it was such a cool experience as you leave very sad to leave behind some of those people. But, um, it's amazing. Like as a conference goes, some of the things that, that you experience with other people is just fantastic. Um, some of the interesting talks I heard, uh, Lane Norton, Dr. Lane Norton was invited to this conference, which is a very interesting choice. Uh, Lane Norton is a pretty polarizing person, especially in the low carbohydrate world. Um, how do I say this? He he has in the past taken videos of low carb experts that they post on their social media, and he has turned around and reposted those with his own commentary and and how he disagrees with these people um, in probably the not so nicest way. And so again, it was a really interesting decision for him to be here. Um, his, his position on nutrition is very much calories in, calories out and wherever you get your calories from, it's, it's all kind of the same, uh, especially when it comes to calories that come from energy. So, so the difference between fat and carbohydrates, his presentation was called common logical fallacies in nutrition science. The talk was really good. If you listen to the words that he said and everything that he was presenting, it was a really great way to identify things that people say, as far as nutrition science and be able to identify like, okay, this 
this is, might be true. This is definitely not true. Um, so yeah, he was received. Okay. I would say, um, not a super warm reception. I, I saw him a few times. I did not talk to him. Um, but yeah, interesting choice there. Uh, we also heard from Dr. Andreas Einfeldt. Um, he is at diet doctor and they have recently started to shift their position on the kinds of foods they're recommending. They're coming out with a satiety score. Um, that is also being met with a lot of controversy. We will be doing an episode in the near future, addressing that. Um, Diet Doctor has been a wonderful resource for me over the years, and I'm not super sold on this idea. Um, And so we'll see where that goes over time. I decided to cancel my membership to Diet Doctor um, kind of because of this, um, which is a bit of a shame. Like I said, they've done a lot of work and they've helped us a lot over the years. I just really kind of disagree with some of the fundamental principles that they talk about. After hearing those talks, you know, I kind of spent the break, the lunch break, kind of thinking to myself, like, wow, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong about some of this stuff. And then the afternoon session started. And first of all, hearing from Dr. Chris Palmer, uh, the recent um, author of the book Brain Energy, gave his speech, which was unbelievable. We've hosted him on our show before. And he's just such an amazing man who's doing so much work in the world of ketogenic diets with mental disorders. Um, you know, you contrast that with the things that Lane Norton is talking about. And he's really only talking about body composition and weight management, where Chris Palmer is talking about like people with schizophrenia, not showing signs of schizophrenia, like such a big difference that I observed. His was such a wonderful and impassioned speech, which I absolutely loved. Also heard from Dr. Tro Kalasian. Um, got to meet Tro and his wonderful wife, Rosette. Shout out to them. They, they're just the nicest, sweetest people. Um, Rosette um, was there to sell her product, Rosette's Cake Mixes, and they were absolutely delicious. She was selling them there. Definitely recommend you check them out if that's your thing. And Dr. Tro, a day before doing this presentation, completely scrapped what he had and what he was going to present on. And he kind of created a little bit of a rebuttal to some of the things that were said earlier in the conference. And I, I got to tell you, it was one of the best mic drop presentations that I have ever seen. We are working to get Dr. Tro on as soon as possible. It was an amazing speech. I can't wait to share that story with you and share some of the things that he said. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, that night I was able to come back for a social kind of meet and greet thing. Um, it was a paid event. And so I chose to pay to go to the event because this is just such an opportunity to meet all of my heroes. And walking to that event, I was able to meet Nina Teichels for the first time. Um, I saw her at the conference, but she was always talking to somebody else, always busy. And as I'm walking through the lobby of the hotel, I see her come out and I just, I stopped and I saw her and it took her a second for her to recognize me, but we just had a huge hug and I was able to express to her how much she has meant in my life and everything that she has done writing the book, The Big Fat Surprise. She gave her presentation the next day. She said that she was a little bit nervous about doing the presentation. She wasn't fully done with her slides. She was going to have to stay up a little bit late and she just is not that much of a morning person is what she told me. Well, she got on stage at 730 in the morning on Saturday morning and by 8 eight o'clock in the morning, she was receiving a standing ovation for her work. So she is most certainly a morning person, apparently. Um, And it just, it meant so much for me to finally meet her. I was able to meet all kinds of different people that I'd never met, people that had been on the show. Um, So Nina was one. Dr. Bill Schindler, amazing. Got to meet him, got to meet the Kalasians, like I said. Um, I was able to meet Dr. Sean Baker for the first time. I was able to meet Ambrose Hearn. Uh, Again, just so many people in the low carbohydrate space that have been 
really doing amazing work and people that I follow and really learn from and got to express my gratitude for them and for all of their work. So that part was really great. After every kind of session that they would have, so we would have, you know, maybe four or five different speakers would go for about 30 minutes each. There would be maybe one brief break in between. And then we've had a, a, a panel discussion. So all of the speakers from the, the previous kind of chunk of time would go up and sit on stage. Saturday morning was a little wild. We had Nina Teichel's presenting. She was on stage with Dr. Kuram Nasir, Dr. Nadir Ali, Dave Feldman, Dr. David Diedman. And this panel discussion was moderated by Dr. Eric Westman out of Duke. Um, Amy Berger attended, attended the show as well. And she and I were chatting after this. Like, we should not ever have these people together on stage. If the stage were to suddenly collapse and we were to lose all of these people at the same time, like, that would be terrible. <laughs> it's almost like a president, vice president kind of situation where we need to keep them in separate areas because they are just wonderful researchers. Um, you know, a lot of them are cardi cardiologists and, and deal a lot with cholesterol. And that was kind of the idea is to get them all together. And, you know, there were some ideas about statins that people didn't agree with. Um, I, I would say Dr. Nasir um, was kind of more pro using statins for people that have heart disease for different reasons, where somebody like Dr. David Diamond was absolutely against it. <clears throat> and there was a debate and I wouldn't say it was heated, but it was passionate. And, and to, to be able to respectfully talk about these ideas and share the research about why or why some of these things shouldn't be used, I thought was fantastic. Again, the whole thing was really respectfully done. One of the key points I got out of all of that, you know, I, I generally am not a, a believer in using statins. I don't think the evidence is very good that they work for most people. But one of the points that Dr. Nasir made is that, you know, he's in clinic, he's trading patients, and he is noticing benefit in certain patients. And we shouldn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater when we say that statins shouldn't be prescribed. I think for some situations, they really should be. And to have that perspective, I thought was really, really wonderful. Um, it was really awesome to see his presentation. We did mention Dave Feldman. This was a jaw dropper. Um, Dave Feldman is a cholesterol researcher. He is not associated with the medical industry. He deals with software and software systems. And he was put on, on this road, like investigating cholesterol because he decided to do a low carbohydrate diet. <clears throat> He felt way better. He lost a lot of weight. Everything was going good. He went and get a, got a blood test from his doctor. Everything was just sparkling. Looked really, really great, except for one thing, which is his LDL cholesterol, or what people call the bad cholesterol, had shot up really, really high. And that was concerning. His doctor said, like, this is, all of this is great besides this. So now you feel good. You've lost weight. You want to continue doing this, but you are at a very, very high risk of heart attack. And that sent him down a rabbit hole of learning about cholesterol. He came out with a new paradigm. We've interviewed him before, so I recommend checking that out. That was an interview we did with Dave Feldman and Dr. Nick Norwitz. I believe it's episode 109. Could be wrong on that, but it's somewhere in that area. Um, so you can go back to that episode and, and listen to that. We've talked about him a lot. But part of his new study is um, is about kind of measuring people with very high cholesterol who have been on a low carbohydrate diet for a while and, and validating different testing by looking at calcium scores inside the body. Very expensive to do this kind of thing. I mean, we're talking getting a cohort of about 100 people and testing them at nine different sites in three kind of different ways to come up with 45 different um, testing points. I'm probably butchering all of that. Um, this this study this study design was kind of new to me. So again, I, I probably am butchering that. But um, 
what he revealed on stage after collecting the preliminary data. So just getting the data from the test starting, like the gasp, the audible gasp that you could hear in the room as he presented his findings were absolutely, it was incredible. It was amazing experience. I think I started laughing when I saw it, that these people starting out like average, average age was like 55 years old, 60% of them were male. So those are good because those are the types of people that are going to have cardiac events. Um, these are people that have been following a low carb ketogenic diet for many, many years. Um, and like I said, they had, they, they had really, really high cholesterol. They also had some different risk factors, which they were able to, um, kind of put in into this study, which I think is really valid. And with the preliminary data, by doing these tests with 45 possible points of calcium buildup in the arteries, not one single participant had a score of over 10 out of 45. And a majority of those people had um, a zero score. This is staggering, absolutely staggering for the, the idea that LDL cholesterol is causative of heart disease this could completely reverse that paradigm. So his research, his talk was absolutely amazing. Another standing ovation for him. Uh, just wonderful work, and I'm so excited to see where that goes in the future. Dr. Sean Baker also had a talk. Like I said, I was able to meet him, which is cool because he basically signs my checks for Rivero coaching. When I coach somebody, my profile is on his website. He, they hire me through his website. So basically, I kind of work for him a little bit. But um, it was it was great to meet him. Um, and um, his presentation was great. It was all about carnivore diets, and he has a really relaxed way of dealing with carnivore diets and, and is really a fan of just trying different things out and keeping things really simple. Presentation was great. He started the presentation by saying, raise your hand if you're in the audience and you are a human being. So obviously everybody's hand shoot up. And then he says, raise your hand, keep your hand raised if you are eating more meat now than you used to in the past. And then the next question was, keep your hand up if you are now eating less fruits and vegetables than you used to. And he said, keep your hand up if you feel better than you've ever felt in your life and you are planning to continue to eat way more meat and animal products. And like I said earlier, I'm kind of a front row Joe fanboy at these things. I always like to be up front. So I took a look behind me and even I was like blown away. So I grabbed my phone as quickly as I could. I ran up to the corner of the room and took a picture of the room and it was pretty much everybody's hand was up. Now that's a very self-selecting, you know, kind of cohort. You're talking to people who generally speaking are already on low carbohydrate or carnivore diets and no are noticing those benefits. So you would expect a fair amount of them to have their hand up, but I was actually very shocked by the number of people that are have been eating more animal products or gone exclusively carnivore and have no intention of giving that up anytime soon. I thought that was a, a, a nice anecdote. That's not science. But when you start to get so many people, like all of the guests on our show, to have all of these stories of healing, like that counts for something. That adds up quite a bit. And that should be good evidence that what you're doing is kind of in the right direction. So I really appreciated that he addressed that in that way. Um, also, randomly, um, it, this guy was not on the list of people that were even going to show up, let alone present at this conference. And as I'm walking out of one of the sessions, I see this tall, um, super jacked, tan dude with his girlfriend in, in the audience. And he's chatting somebody up. And I look, and I look back, and then I look, like, double take, and then I look back, and then, like, triple take. And I'm like, is that, is that Dr. Anthony Chafee from Australia? Like, what? Sure enough, Dr. Chafee was there, a two-time guest of this show. Great, 
dude, great guy. We had such a good time catching up. Always have great conversations with him. He is so smart and knowledgeable, but also so friendly and kind. And it was great to see him. Just amazing. The kindness and friendliness is something that I definitely observed through the entire weekend with everybody. You know, again, these are people writing research. They're busy. They're they're practicing medicine. They're writing books. They have podcasts. They have platforms. Like there's a lot that these people have going on. And to take an entire weekend um, to be here with the attendees was a lot. But I never, not one time, not once did I ever see somebody say, I'm too busy to talk to you. I'm too busy to get a picture with you. They just come off off the stage and start chatting with people. And and by and large, with very few exceptions that I saw, did I see people like go into the green room and then take their private jet somewhere or whatever. They were very much not only like like presenting, but also in this conference. They were learning from some of the other speakers as well. I really appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that I saw more people taking the stairs than were taking escalators. There were other conferences highlighting other things that were going on. The, the, the Gaylord's Rocky, Rockies um, Conference Center that we were at was huge, and so there was multiple conferences going on for different things. And I saw people taking escalators all the time, and the low-carb people really, like, I saw them take the stairs more than I saw them take the escalators. Um, you know, these presentations also are like several hours in a day. And you got to figure people have traveled, including myself, very sleep deprived. People have come from a long way. Um, And, you know, these are really quite technical presentations that they're making. They've got slides and they're presenting a lot of information. It's very, very in depth. And all of these studies and how are these studies conducted? And I just got to say, I looked around at the audience who was by and large the same audience throughout the three days. Not many people had to leave early and stayed for the whole thing. And you didn't see people drifting off to sleep at two in the afternoon. You didn't see people, you know, on their phones. You didn't see people not engaging with what was going on. And I think that alone is so different than most people's experience at a conference like that when they're not on low carbohydrate diets and would be nodding off and would be, you know, bored with the material and all this technical stuff. I just, as an observation, I didn't see a lot of that. People were alert and aware and very much participating in the conversation. So I thought all of that was really wonderful. I thought that was uh, an interesting thing to observe. The conference went very smoothly, a few little glitches with technical stuff, but for the most part, it was great. As part of the conference, they were using an app called Whova, um, W-H-O-V-A, which showed you all the agenda. It posted all of the videos for all of the talks when they were completed there. So you could go back and review things if you wanted. You could see all of the attendees. So anybody who signed up for the conference, I knew they would be there. And I was able to to scroll around and send messages to people like, yo, Dr. Mark Kukazella, I'm so excited to see you again. Like, this is great. I'm so glad you're attending. And also, you know, some of my friends that are maybe not the presenters, but they're the attendees. And I've seen them at other shows and met them at other places. And so the, the app was a wonderful part of the experience. If you're hosting a conference or, or, or you're into this kind of thing, I highly recommend checking out the Whova app. I thought they did a really nice job. And I knew, you know, I had access to that maybe six weeks before the conference started. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to do as far as this podcast, when I went to this show, you know, I was thinking maybe I could bring my podcasting equipment. I could take some of the presenters aside into a quiet room and have all my podcasting stuff and like ask them questions and like film, um, record episodes. And I thought a little bit more and I've really learned over time that the participants of these conferences are really quite diverse. 
And you really understand that like every one of these people has a unique story of how they found low carbohydrate diets, usually through a lot of suffering. And I thought rather than interview the presenters who are amazing, a lot of them I've already talked to before or will be talking to very, very soon. Maybe I could do shorter interview segments with the attendees. If I could get a random sample of people that were here, I could learn about why they were here, what's their story, if they plan on continuing doing the diet or not. I thought that might be a really fun way to see the conference from a different angle, from the angle of the diverse attendees who were there. So I created a Calendly link that I put on the app. Um, the title of my post was, Would You Like to Be Hosted on Balanced Body Radio? And I put an app um, out there and just said, hey, look, like, I would like to interview you if you're attending this conference. Here's open schedules on Calendly. You can go book a 10-minute spot to talk with me. We'll just go find a quiet place. Um, my podcasting equipment is really cumbersome, but I found that you could get pretty decent audio just recording off of your iPhone, um, which, again, to say, like, if you're thinking about starting a podcasting host, you really don't need a lot of fancy equipment to be able to do it, to have a reasonable qual quality. And so people signed up. And I, I there was two exceptions of... Uh, people that did these interviews with me that I didn't know. So Buzz and Bruce, you'll hear from them later. I had met them at Low Carb Salt Lake. I had asked them to be interviewed. So they were part of it. Um, knowingly ahead of time, I already knew them. I knew their story or at least some of it. Every other person on here was a stranger to me five minutes before we did these conversations. So I thought that was really fun. It was a great way to meet new friends, new people out there. And now I have literally lifelong friends that I will see and, and meet at these conferences forever. And so that is what you are about to listen to. This is a lengthy episode. So sorry, not sorry about that. I wanted to share all of their episodes. These are largely going to be unedited. There was a few things I need to go back and kind of edit. But for the most part, they're unedited. The quality is not going to be the same as it normally is. But we were in a conference hall, literally in the hall of the conference during breaks. And so you're going to hear ambient noise of people walking by and having conversations. You're also going to hear um, people stopping by on conversations, staying hi to their friends, and then dropping down on the couch and having an impromptu interview with us as well, them sharing their stories, me asking questions and be, just being curious. The format of the interviews is I basically printed out like four or five different questions that I wanted the person to kind of in their head, like read through and pretend that I was asking them that question. That way you don't have to hear me ask the same questions every time. I just wanted them to go through like a similar kind of flow of their story. And the more that I did that, <clears throat> the less that I liked it. And I wanted to ask more spontaneous questions. So that kind of evolves through this conversation. These are not taken in chronological order, kind of mix them up a little bit. So they'll be in whatever order they're in. And one of the, the last one that we're going to end on is literally the last one that we did. I was outside, I was eating lunch, enjoying the, the Denver weather, which I, I can't believe how much the temperature flux rate that fluctuates there. It was one degree when I got in and it was like 60 degrees on this afternoon, um, <laughs> on the last day on the Sunday. So, um, I was out eating lunch. I see three ladies who sit down to lunch and, you know, they're eating chicken wings dipped in guacamole and bacon and red meat and passing it around and just having a great time. I'm like, these are my people. <laughs> I love them already. So I went up and started talking to them and just had the idea, like, why don't, why don't we record? Why don't I ask them, why are you here? And let's just record and let's see what comes out. And sure enough, we got three more amazing stories. This was outside on a very windy day. So that one is definitely going to have some ambient noise of the wind. But this message is to 
important not to share, in my opinion. So I hope you stick with it. I hope you um, kind of deal with the not pristine audio quality to, to really listen. These are people, um, all of them have an amazing story, unexpected stories that I didn't know. I didn't know these people. I didn't know their stories. And hearing them talk about how they healed things was just, it was really powerful. It was really meaningful for me to listen in and it's really meaningful for me now to share this with you. So I really hope you enjoy this. Thank you to everybody who participated. You know who you are. Um, I'm not going to read your names. I'll put them in the show notes, hopefully, but thank you so much for taking the time and being open and vulnerable with me to share everything that, that you have noticed with low carbohydrate. Um, I'm going to step out of the way on this one as much as possible. I'm just going to create a quick little kind of sound bumper to break up the conversations. Um, and, and yeah, again, like I said, I, I hope you really take a lot from this episode and just know that if you are feeling alone in this journey, if you feel like the whole world is against you and you're trying to do low carb, but people offer you cake and they don't, you know, they don't support you. They tell you that, you know, eating red meat is bad for you. Fasting is going to kill you. All those things you hear, like there is a community, there's a community out there. There's a lot of people, um, getting a little emotional. There's a lot of people out there who have healed themselves with this way of eating and you can reach out. We can help you. Um, damn, <clears throat> we can help you. So, Again, this was really special. I hope you really enjoy this one. Hey, I'm Stephanie Welch, and I have been involved in the ancestral health field for about 13 years now. I've been interested in nutrition for about 15. For the last year or so, I've been working with the Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation, which is uh, the owners and publishers of the work of Weston A. Price, uh, which is a, a dentist that a lot of people may be familiar with for his studies in nutrition uh, back in the 1930s. Um, I also personally have, I began with nutrition, but I expanded into looking at the mismatches that exist for us in all aspects of life. So my own work is under Recivilized Woman, and it looks at not only nutrition, but also fitness and mental health and relationships and sexuality and all the aspects of life that we have mismatches. So do you have a question? Why do you think a dentist almost 100 years ago still has so much influence on our health today? Uh, the things that he was researching, original research, looking at indigenous cultures around the world is, you know, it's it's stuff that can't be reproduced at this point in time. Many of the cultures that uh, were in place then and the differences between their traditional diets and the modernized diets are have changed at this point in time. And it's harder to find a comparison of cultures that are so clearly flourishing on a natural diet and being able to compare it with the same same group, same genetics, same environment, but who have transitioned to more modernized foods. And the the contrast that he was able to see in that environment, and you know, he was looking at the the dental health in particular, but he of course saw that the rest of their health and their demeanor and everything else was also influenced by what they were eating. So it was a really unique opportunity to get a glimpse in that particular window of time of transition that people were experiencing and see the drastic differences that it had on their health. It's amazing. So 
My personal journey into health and nutrition started in my early 20s. And it actually had a lot to do with, I was dating someone at the time. um, And he was about four years older than me. And at 26, he was a bit overweight. He weighed about 270. And then over the next four years, he gained about another 80 pounds. We were just eating sort of college food, you could imagine. And got in the middle of that, got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at about age 28, which is kind of ridiculous. And I could tell that lifestyle factors were at play. And I knew that I didn't want to go down that path. And so it really motivated me to start studying nutrition at that point in time, around 25 or so. And I... First, of course, like many people, I went down the vegetarian path and the low fat and the things that were being commonly recommended. Um, And I, you know, I didn't have any significant health problems at that point in time. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't noticing any real issues, but when I got on the vegetarian diet, I actually started running into some digestive problems and really had some pretty terrible issues with gas, which was not great as I was decided to become a massage therapist at the time and you're in a small That's room with somebody. <laughs> you kind of don't want that to be the case. So it really it really made me wonder what was going on. I definitely didn't feel like I was feeling, you know, more healthy than I started. But uh I found in uh, 2010 the the book that changed my mind and did about a 180 on everything was the perfect health diet uh the by Paul and Shaoxing Gemini. And they did a, a great dive into different nutrients. And it was really, it was a largely nutrient-focused uh, approach to diet. But I also really appreciated the uh, exploration of evolutionary biology and the looking at what is a digestive tract for. And, you know, if you have mammals of all different kinds that have animal cells like we learn about in biology class, they actually all use the same fuel. So why is it that we have a different diet um, in the first place? And uh, more so, how is it that our digestive tract is geared to take whatever that input is and convert it into ultimately the same output? And then seeing that as humans, we have reduced the size of our, our digestive tracts so much that it kind of clues us in to the idea that we must have been taking in nutrients somewhat closer to the output that our bodies actually needed and doing less transformation. So that helped me to understand why it made more sense to have like a higher fat diet at that point in time. And so I started following that in 2010 and I took I took enough effort to make it a, a predominant part of my food intake, and uh, I got a, a subsequent partner really on board, and we had a great system of cooking and making almost all of our food at home. So for mm-hmm. about five years, I had a really really solid system, and that you know I haven't stayed super strict after that, but having had that good of a basis and building up habits that I can often continue to utilize and go back to has been really helpful to me to where I've been able to keep it uh, a significant part of my life, but also, um, you know, not have to be maybe as, as strict as some people who've, uh, who actually have gone further down and and gotten into more health problems or had to counteract um, major issues. It's a really good point. I think a lot of people can get back to a place where they can be a little bit more liberal with their food. 
Yeah. Yeah. I found that, you know, it was, it was for me, I love systems. I love to plan and prepare. Uh, you wouldn't believe the, like the, the charts of groceries, meal planning. Oh, this needs to come out of the freezer on this date. And this goes in <laughs> on this date. So, you know, saw buying the, it was great buying the, um, the bulk meats on like the CSA programs and planning it out and, and scheduling. So on the one hand, for me, that's actually kind of fun. I enjoy those kind of systems and planning and it, you know, it gave me a good basis for then just being able to continue that uh, later on my on my own and in different circumstances. And uh, I've been able to to keep it up enough and just enjoy the benefits. And yeah, and also you know, still occasionally eat things just for pure enjoyment and deliciousness and convenience. Um, but it's good to have you know, and the, the focus again really like I said, was about nutrient density. So I do try to prioritize that and also, you know, use supplementation to help fill in some gaps and things like that. So a little bit of boost there, but for, for sure, one of the things that has stayed really consistent um, as far as the low carb aspect is whenever I have choices that involve, um, you know, things that are more protein and vegetable oriented over pastas and breads. I mean, those are the easiest decisions for me to make is don't get a sandwich, get something that's, you know, not on bread. Or if you, when I, when I make something, um, you know, if I make a spaghetti at home, it's about 80% sauce and a little bit of pasta just, you know, for something to, you know, accent it essentially. Yeah, it's great. But I load it up with with beef and you know mushrooms and onions, and the 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 emphasis is on filling everything up uh, with with the right kind of ingredients that I want to consume, and not needing to uh, fill myself up with a bunch of filler things of pasta and bread and and all that kind of thing. So, um, pl- the planning planning ahead and ensuring that I've uh, that I've prepared and I've, I've filled up all of my hunger and nutrient needs so that I'm not struggling, um, you know, to, to meet those needs and having to make choices based on convenience or, uh, impulse. So yeah. a lot of planning. Wow. That's yeah. great. So, yeah, so I certainly anticipate continuing, uh, to do this. I can't really see why I would change. I, I am interested in additional, tweaks, um, you know, here and there, I'm kind of curious about the oxalate issues. I've been asking some people questions. We just, uh, interviewed Sally Norton at Price Pottinger recently in one of our journals, and it definitely brings up some thoughts about that, but, um, you know, I'm kind of exploring and asking other people questions about that too, if that's, you know, on the, on the anti-nutrient side of things. It's a weird one. That's a weird one. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about it a lot. Yeah. But um, I guess in terms of tips, I think what I said a minute ago was that uh, if you're if you're able to plan ahead and make sure that you're you know if your fridge is stocked with the things that you want to eat, if you've meal prepped ahead of time and you have you know the foods that are your uh, nutritionally preferred foods available and on hand, and so you're not having to make decisions when you're hungry, that is the best. Uh, the best setup in my mind. I think that's great advice. Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. All right. Thank you, Casey.
All right. Well, hey, uh, my name's Tia Reed. I'm really excited to be here today talking. Excited to talk with you. Yeah, exciting. Exciting stuff here at Low Carb Denver. Um, anyway, I'm a nutrition network coach practitioner. I'm also accredited by the Society of Metabolic Health Professionals, um, sugar certified and licensed by Benton Johnson's Addiction. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's uh, been a journey, quite a journey. Um, I started out uh, really sick. Uh, about five years ago and reached out to the carb addiction doc, Doc Siwas, to help me on my journey. Um, I was about 250 pounds, uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, insulin pump, about 180 to 200 units a day, um, and then Lantus uh, at night, uh, shot at night, plus a array of other um, medications, over 20, actually. Um, I was just sick, tired. I had low energy. I just didn't want to go anywhere. Didn't want to have my picture taken. And wow. you see me now, and I want to take a picture everywhere I go with everyone. So it really changes your life. Yeah. Um, anyway, we started the journey just to try to get off the medications. What 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 about all of that stuff made you decide to seek out help? Because there's so many people out there that get to that that stage, that spot, but they don't ever seek out the right kind of help. And they just continue gaining and gaining and gaining, getting worse. Yeah. What What was it about you that you think, as you're looking back, like made you decide to reach out when you did? Well, actually, I have three kids and they were worried about me. And um, my daughter's like, I haven't, I'm not married yet, mom. I want you to be at my wedding. And uh, my son's like, I want you to play with our grandkids. Yeah. Um, and my husband was really worried about me too, okay. you know, and we had two businesses and, um, I just wanted to go home and sleep, you know, I just, and I would sneak and lie and hide uh, my food. So I knew I was, you know, it was, I was shamed. I was ashamed um, about how I looked. Um, And I didn't understand uh, my addiction. Sure. And talking to Dr. Silas, he told me right away, hey, have you, you know, you're, have you ever heard of carb addiction? Because you're, you have it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want me to help you, I can, I can definitely help you. So we started, um, virtual because he's in Florida. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we, he eliminated, he said, are you going to stick to this? Because if you are, we can, we can start eliminating medications right now. Cause I was on like several different statin medications. Um, I was on, um, Cymbalta and Wellbutrin for depression. Uh, those were some of the last ones to go. What, but, what was it like to hear that? I hear a doctor say, get ready. We're going to deprescribe. Uh, it was scary. It was scary. I was, I was scared. And I thought, I hope that I'm doing the right thing, yeah. you know, but it was like a last resort because I thought I was going to die any day anyway. Yeah. So me and my husband talked about it and we're like, you don't have anything left to try. Let's, we got to try this, yeah. you know? So, you know, and we started out with, uh, changing, uh, maybe changing, never drink anything with carbohydrates in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we moved to, uh, making sure that I was using the right kind of fats and eliminating all the seed oils yeah. and all that kind of stuff out of my cabinets, anything with processed in a box, yeah. nothing from a box, yeah. you know? Um, and then it was fun because, uh, we, Made new meals as a family. We cooked as a family, uh, whole foods, nothing from a box, uh, real vegetables. Um, but my I'm, today, I'm only on one medication, and I kind of go on and off. I have 
trouble with my uric acid levels just That's a little incredible. bit sometimes. But, you know, my typical breakfast used to be a big bowl of fruit yeah. and oatmeal and um, healthy uh, yeah, and toast because okay. that's what I was told by the diabetic yep. educators. Um, so you know, they had I told me I needed to eat every four hours. Um, and Dr. Sai was just like, try to fast. I'm like, what? What are yeah. you talking about fasting? <laughs> right, I've got to eat. Yep. <laughs> but you know, and then uh, you start eating this way, and you're so full. And uh, the low carb, high fat nutrition healed my body, and I was able to stop eating breakfast. It wasn't the most important meal of the day, you know? And then at noon, I'm like, you know, I might even be hungry yet. So I'm just going to hold off a little longer. And sometimes it might be one or two, Uh, but it's magical. And I I want to spread the word and the healing word to other people. And I want to help other people. So I try to coach outside of the work that I do. I am a new director of nutritional services at the local hospital that I work at, but I coach people in the evenings after work. Oh, that's amazing. I was going to ask, it seems to be a very difficult thing to practice and or preach low carb in the hospital setting. Yeah. Are you still finding that you have difficulty with that? Oh uh, yeah, I do. But we've uh, even implemented some, of course, people have seen my journey and seen the weight loss because I was 250 pounds. So I've almost lost a hundred pounds now because I'm around 150. So uh, that just kind of melted off. And that wasn't why I went to him in the first place. It was to get off the medications, but the weight just came with it. And people saw that. So they're like, Hey, what are you doing? I want to do it too. You know? So we started implementing some keto um, items out in the cafeteria for staff. Great. You know, so yeah. they have one choice. So People if they want to have it, they have an option. Mm-hmm. Now, patients, it's a different story because you got to get the uh, med staff on board for, you know, therapeutic carbohydrate restriction. And um, so I've got the clinical guidelines out there, you know, to share. And the SMHP is a wonderful organization that allows you to print off the therapeutic carbohydrate restriction, the guide, the clinical guidelines mm-hmm. um, that uh, Dell Height. Yeah. helped make. Yeah. And um, also I'm on the advocacy committee. Okay. Uh, so we've got some forms out there now that can help practitioners with uh, how, how CGMs work, uh, which was another magical tool yeah. that helped awesome. me uh, aware of my own, uh, what foods and nutrition does to my own body. Cause you know, everybody's body's different. So uh, what works for me might not work for someone else. Good point. So, uh, you know, I'll eat something and I'll check my numbers. And if it's high, then I know, hey, I got to stay away from it. So so I'm about on year five of eating this way. And I'm more car- carnivorous now than I was before because um, I just sometimes vegetables will make, you know, they are carbohydrates. So there's a little bit, it does turn to sugar in your body a little bit. So I have been surprised by that. I've, I've learned that more recently. People with CGMs are noticing that vegetables are having an effect. And I, that surprised me. Yeah. And you know, plants want to live. Yeah. <laughs> they exactly. want to live. So, um, but anyway, so I don't eat a whole lot of veg anymore. Cool. Um, and I, it, it keeps me full for longer periods of time. Great. And I just love this way of eating. You know what I mean? It, it just keeps you full. So you don't think you'll ever go off of it? No, I don't really think I will. I I mean, it's healed my body. And I, uh, first of all, I started out with non-alcoholic liver, a fatty liver, which they said that I would never get rid of. And that was one of the first things to go within like, you know, on the blood work, you know, doc would do blood work and you'd see, you could see if what's happening in your body from the blood work that was going on. And, um, it was gone within three months. Yeah. And I thought I'd have it for life. And, you know, the statins that I was on, I thought I'd have to be on those for life. And right. I'm no longer on any of those. I was on 
um, 200 milligrams of metal, I don't know how to say it, metal tartrate, and then 40 milligrams of lisinopril a day, and I no mm. longer take it as well. You've said a lot of big words in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I said them right. I hope you said them right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to verify. No idea. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so. <laughs> uh, but, but the list was long, but I tell you what, one of the hardest things to get off of was the Cymbalta. Um, and they actually put that me on that because it also is supposed to be help, help you as a diabetic. Mm. So with your numbers, but, um, I, at some point I even started just taking like, there's beads in there, <laughs> some of the beads out. It was kind of crazy. I didn't really know how many, cause they're so small, wow. but I just take some out, you mm-hmm. know, until I've finally tapered off those. Cool. I just, I'm going to be curious to see how your journey continues because you do hear so many people, especially with mental health and, and the carnivore diet seems to be just like really an amazing yeah. tool that can be used specifically you know, for that. You know, what's great is my husband had RA and he's like, you know, you, you've, you've you've come through so much. I'm just going to eat this way and see what it does for me. And he, he's totally, his inflammation is gone. He had not notched on his hands, wow. nodules, and it's gone. So it's definitely worth a try for everyone. That's so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it sounds like you got into this way of eating in a really good way, kind of stepped into it, you know, more slowly. Mm-hmm. What, what tips do you give your beginner, somebody that wants to try this? Where, where should somebody start? Well, I say focus on meal, one meal at a time. You know, if you mess up, so what? You mess up, get back on to the next meal. Don't wait till the next day because uh, that'll turn into days and maybe weeks and months. So you mess up one time, just get on the, get on the wagon the next meal. That's great. One meal at a time, one day at a time. That's great. That's all it takes. And you know, uh, also, there's a whole lot of um, information and education out there that people can take. Um, I'm a nutrition network coach practitioner, like I said, but they have online courses that people can take, and uh, they're magical. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tia, thank you so much for this conversation. You're welcome. It was great. It was great. <laughs> Thanks. Casey, how great to see you. So great to see you. Buzz and Bruce, my friends, we met at uh, Low Carb Salt Lake, right? Keto Salt Lake. April, yeah. April Easter weekend. 22. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. Well, it was so great to meet you. It's been so fun to be friends with you guys. And I just absolutely love your spirit and, and everything about you. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, can you comment on the things that we just experienced just this morning? We listened to five speakers just this morning, how incredible was that experience? Uh, all out of the park. Uh, like I uh, always share at these, I've heard these speakers, many of them before, but uh, I think my level of um, comprehension expands with each conference I go to. That's what that's what gets me to go and book the next one. Not only the speakers, but the participants, the energy there. Uh, there's no way to get to uh, to get the information from a YouTube vi- video, as much information, um, th- having it uh, supplemented with the, the audience, the speakers, just the whole package uh, seems to reach me a lot better. And I think for most people, the same way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, these people are dealing in science, and the science they're dealing in is the science of human beings, not political science. And it's like to come here and learn more from them each time helps me as a grassroots person. You know, I'm not a clinician, 
but I'm a grassroots person, and I have experience, strength, and hope that I can take what I'm learning from these amazing folks and present some of that to help other people and assist them getting into keto, keto carnivore, for their health. Mine has improved drastically. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into that, I would just like to say that you guys are retired. You told me that you used to take trips all over the place, which you still do, but you used to go scuba diving, I believe. Yes, yeah, that's right. You don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You instead come to very, very technical medical conferences <laughs> about low carb. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'm blessed because I have two of the best coaches ever. The first coach is my spirit brother here of almost 35 years. He can get into the technical things. I get a general feeling and impression, and I follow, you know, what all of you, and you too, you're part of this whole thing, follow the things that you folks share about how I can have optimal help and assist other people in achieving, achieving that too. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful stuff. So, so how did you, what was your life like before you found low carbohydrate and, and how, how did you find it? Well, interestingly enough, before I found it, I was already 71. And I think people who are getting into this, you, you know, better eating for better health, I think they need to examine their early childhood. You know, so it's about the early childhood. It's about the uh, emotions, the physical, and the physical is the healthy eating and fitness, and then spirit, continued spirit awareness. Hmm. That's very well said. Were you guys suffering with any kind of medical conditions? I uh, I had the, the average conditions of someone in my age demographic. Um, uh, 65 now, uh, high lipids. And interestingly enough, I had a physician that was nudging me towards low carb, but I didn't get it. And, and he's since retired. And for instance, we, we talked about the book, uh, sugar busters. We both identified with that. And that was, that was all about, uh, kind of, uh, came out after Atkins and he he encouraged me for but to eat like have some bacon and eggs and and but what I'm thinking but I thought I'm supposed to have oatmeal and uh, things such as that um, outwardly overweight I've lost forty pounds since then but I was not going crazy at the gym thinking that was the route to go and uh, was frustrated with that. I'm not sure what flipped the switch with going low carb. I started with, with keto and that didn't settle too well. But once once I saw or uh, heard about the concept of carnivore after my my mind kind of exploded, uh, not trying to comprehend that and went on that, it was like, this is so easy. And the energy's up and um, then the weight started coming off. And it just it just kind of just kind of unfolded and happened, and it's uh, this, you know the next chapter is being more thirsty for information, the YouTube videos, and then finding out about conferences, and here we are talking to you. Yeah, yeah. And for me, 
10 years, 10 years before you doing what? we began this scuba diving around the world, yeah. I, had to, I had to take a sleep apnea machine with me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this whole process revealed I did not, I do not take five medications, no sleep apnea machine, wow. and I'm just getting healthier, you know, as we go along. Now, how many people do you know that are your age that are not yet doing what you're doing are in that condition? Like Most. Like, how many people do you know are not taking any medications? Oh, not oh, taking yeah. any medications. I should have phrased that a little better. Yeah. No, I, I don't know of anybody my and, age. And, and, and we, we just uh, found a new physician that um, is on board with this. And, and anytime you go to a doctor's office and you don't have a list of prescri- a list of meds, it gets their attention. It and, took us uh, four years. Yeah. It took us yeah. four years doing this to finally found, find a primary that was okay with the way we're eating. And we're 98% carnivore. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It, it, that many years to find someone locally. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I'm really glad that you were able to find somebody. And I think that speaks to how this message is getting out. I know that's yeah. a big priority for both of you. It wasn't yeah. enough for you to learn the information for yourself. Uh, similar to the reason why I do this podcast. It's not enough for me to know this stuff from my life and the life of my loved ones. I want to share this. I want to get this message out Absolutely. there. And that's been really important for you. So what has it meant to you to be able to go out and help teach others and share, if nothing else, just your example, just your spirit? We, we, we have folks to our home. And we eat carnivore. Uh, we'll provide a vegetable for them. We have people who've seen how we've changed but they don't necessarily want to change. We met these folks at a uh, a, a meetup in Miramar Beach, yeah. you know, with 20, 20 folks or so in the group. And the guests there were the man I, we have followed for four years on YouTube, Dr. Ken Berry yeah. and then Nisha and the family. Yeah. This is inspirational, like what happens and what we've seen here today and yesterday. And as you know, all the other conferences we've been to. I, I will say that um, we don't necessarily go out and try to convince people. No. It's it's hard to resist that, but uh, it's, what's happening now is people are seeing, noticing, and asking questions, and then sometimes that's as far as it goes. But other times, you can kind of tell now if how serious they are. Uh, most recently, we had a we had an acquaintance call, uh, reach out, and uh, she was ready. And uh, I went so far as to say, "How would you feel if we came over and went through your cupboards and uh, refrigerator?" And she was all on board with that. That's amazing. And I must say, I, it had to have been humbling for her. Yeah, uh, and it was for me because that was getting into some personal stuff into sure. their food stash, sure. and uh, she was open and ready to. We filled up all kinds of bags, and and she yeah. said to us, she said to us when we were sitting down before we went through her yeah. cupboard to her refrigerator, she said, "I had a bag of chips, but I ate them last night." They go to the trash either way, it's whether they go Listen. through your body or yeah. directly to the trash. History yeah. began in. The recovery early childhood, I call it 1981. I went to AA. Well, I learned in AA, you don't pull people 
off the bar stools and you don't pull people out of McDonald's. Yeah. 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 It has to unfold. That's great. Ironically, somebody you just mentioned, Dr. Kenberry, recently posted a video of him ordering burger patties at McDonald's, which has been my favorite hack. I haven't been to McDonald's in 15. I've been there the last two days to order burger patties. They've been delicious. Yeah. Listen, the life changer. Life changer. Part of my my history was supersizing it for 25 years. (laughs) I would have done that too. That's great. One of my favorite parts about attending these conferences is meeting new friends and new people. And we're having these impromptu conversations for this conference and we've met some new friends. So let's say hi. Um, introduce yourself if you don't mind and say, what is your favorite part about low carbohydrate? How did you find this diet to begin with? Hi, I'm Emily Harbo, and I have lost 150 pounds through combining wow. keto, intermittent fasting, and carnivore. I am a two and a half year carnivore, and I'm now a carnivore coach. I help people with Bella's uh, Mighty Networks, and so we we gather and meet and encourage each other and problem solve. And so people have no idea how to start carnivore, what to do, what what they there. It's some people still laugh when you even mention the name carnivore. And so for me, this has just been an incredible journey, and um. I have I have enjoyed helping people get started, helping them figure that hack out because I've been doing that hack for two years. With no, hey, you I mean, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all <laughs> over totally. it. Right, right. And I've done it myself. I've made the reel myself. Like, yeah, like Ken Barry made the reel. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's going to reach like millions. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, we just love these events, these low carb events, these carnivore events. We've made such great friendships and uh, we are so compassionate and just passionate to the mission of it. And so I think that just being together helps us really uh, stay strong and keep our strength and keep our enthusiasm. And, you know, it's, it's a world full of crap food out there. And there's just disgusting processed food every time you turn around. And so having like other people that eat like this and that are like, we are fine. This is a completely valid lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so this has just been my story and my journey. That's and really these conferences amazing. really help keep That's really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I just want to point out that while we were, while you were sharing your story, one of the most well-respected, well-renowned and three-time guests of our show, Dr. Mark Kukazella, oh. just walked by and said, <laughs> Buzz and Bruce, my favorite people. Hey! <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Uh, we got one more person to meet. Oh, I'm Joel Harbo. I'm her lesser half, I guess you could say, <laughs> or, 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 or not as, as good-looking half. Um, but uh, no, I've, I've pretty much rode her coattail. She's the one that kind of first started doing the keto and all that kind of stuff. And I saw the huge difference, an amazing difference it made for her. And so I was, you know, uh, I've lost like 30 pounds on the keto thing. I did that following her example, where it's like, you know, I need to give up the sugar. You know, I saw how much sugar I was putting in my coffee every morning. And I was the only one in my family drinking coffee at that point. The kids weren't. And, uh, and I'm like seeing that sugar bowl go from full to empty over the course of a week or two. And I'm like going, that's only me. <laughs> and it, it kind of hit home. So that's where I, that's where it started for me was giving up the sugar, then started giving up more of the sugar in the food and then kind of moving up to the full keto. Um, was a little bit of fasting thrown in there as well. And then, um, and then when she, you know, as we were just talking about this this morning, she was saying, you know, I was talking about when she decided to go carnivore, I'm like, you know, in the back of my brain, you know, I'm being supportive, but in the back of my brain, I'm like, going, okay, we'll see how long this lasts with you not eating vegetables. Where are you going to get all your vitamins and all that kind of stuff? You're going to be hitting the curve here in, you know, a couple months and we'll see that. And then a couple of months went by and she's just looking more beautiful and more healthy and doing better and thriving. And then, you know, at, a, at the year point, I'm like, I, I can't deny this, you know, it's, this isn't uh you know, 
this isn't a crash and burn that's happening. It's a takeoff, you know, and, yeah. and so, okay, well, all right, let me give it a shot. And, you know, so I, she got me to commit for a month to begin with. And then once I was on board for that, all of a sudden somewhere in there morphed to three months without her telling me. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly I'm like, wait, I signed up for a month. And she's like, no, it was three months, you know. Um, and now I'm, you know, going on about a year and three months now. So it's uh, really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, been yeah. been fantastic. That's really amazing. I did a recent episode of somebody who just started a carnivore diet and we spent a good 20 minutes on, on, on our episode. It was on her show where she was describing some of the benefits that she noticed about carnivore. And we talked a lot about so many different things. We hung up the call and five minutes later, she was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot to say that I lost five pounds in two weeks. <laughs> and I, I've brought that up a lot. That is the carnivore diet. Like you'll forget that you just lost a bunch of weight. You nonchalantly just said, yeah, I lost 30 pounds. That's right. It's not even like that big of a deal. Like it's cool. It's great. It's amazing. But that's not like what you're leading with oftentimes. It's yeah. a side issue. It's a health first. It gets your health turned around and it transforms everything and you feel so much better and you get kind of your medical improvements and your performance improvements yeah. and just how you're feeling, your vitality. Yeah. And it's a thing that you can't know until you do an experiment with it and move forward with that. Um, and I agree because that, that is a side note. It's like, okay, the last 50 pounds of my weight loss was yeah. carnivore, but it, that's like the side note. It's like how good I felt going from maybe a low carb got me to feeling 80% better. Carnivore is what got me to that 97% yeah. better. And so that feeling better position is, is the powerful uh, message of it. But you're right. Most people tend to, uh, Joel looks amazing now. He's got muscles cut out from everywhere. They he's never had he's never had this body before so he's in his late 50s like sporting yeah. like something really spectacular and so i mean all that stuff comes um but the weight loss is part of it but you're right it's just a side it's yeah like, yeah i guess my final question for all of you would be on that note i think that was a really good segue um and and buzz i want to conclude with you because you were the first to bring it up and I, very much related to what you said like the, the physical the mental the emotional all of it is a part of this. And I just want to comment or, or learn from you guys, if you could comment, like, what has it been like, again, not only to experience what I would say, the, the, the mental, the physical, but really specifically the spiritual, in what ways, especially taking a step from low carb or keto to carnivore, do you feel like your spirituality specifically has changed? Um, I think just you, man. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a thing called carnivore calm that some people experience and, and uh, just kind of feeling more, even keeled, just kind of just relaxed and then just kind of in the moment, I guess, a little bit more. Um, okay, ready to say yeah, for me, it's the absence of noise. And so I had experienced that because of fasting and mm. fasting, you get to kind of a, there's a lot of spirituality in fasting as well, but you know, then you, then you eat food and it ruins it all. <laughs> and so the carnivore journey for me was having food be my nutrition, the best food I could ever imagine tasting, but food was food. Food was nourishment. Food was fuel. And so the spirituality of having so much open space in my mind and so much open space to explore other things because that part was neutral. Yeah. That was the huge part yeah. for me. That's amazing. Very well said. How about you, Bruce? So I'd say the uh, I've always been fairly even keel, uh, but I can uh, I can certainly uh, uh, speak to the, the point that I don't get affected by things so much anymore in my in in my head I don't obsess uh I don't compulse and a lot of that is is um 
under the radar. I'm doing it in my head, but that's not happening anymore with that. Mm. Yeah. Reduced anxiety. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And we're blessed because we met in church. (laughs) However, I've shared that with you before. However, for me, it's learning to be non-judgmental of myself and then others, not throwing stones and not judging other people. You know, um, it's an amazing journey. I mean, you think about I'm, I'm getting lost in it because the quietness, the peacefulness. Joseph Murphy, the power of your subconscious mind. Most folks don't know and understand everything you say after I am is what you're going to create in your life today, tomorrow, the next day. It's like the whole karma effect. Yeah, what you put out there comes back to you. Yeah. But I have to use, and I live in a lot of meditation. I listen to a lot of tapes from a lot of folks who have written, and most of them are dead now, the spiritual background. I don't know if you do, you do yoga, or, you know, folks that do yoga. Uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, I mean, he takes the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita and he combines them and shares and communicates with people how to live your life in a loving happy way. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing how much nutrition is a part of that. It's always such a joy and to run into you guys, old friends, and some new friends today. Thank you all so yeah, very much for stopping was, by. Yeah, this is a really fun conversation. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Casey. My name is Kristen Lum, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist. Yeah. Um, I found low carb because in menopause, I found that everything I was doing, nothing was, I wasn't losing the weight. I was actually gaining more weight. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do low carb keto. And it's the only thing plus intermittent fasting. I have to add that in there that has helped me kind of just maintain. And I actually shrunk a size. So now I'm like, so, um, the benefits I notice on that are I have mental clarity is better. My, my memory is better now. I was tr- having trouble kind of remembering names or people or what, um, what I gave them. And, um, you hear that a lot with menopause. Yes. Like you just don't, you don't have the recall yeah. like you used to, yeah. you know, it wasn't, I wasn't like sharp being like, here's this podcast, here's this person to read. Um, so I feel like I'm way, my mental clarity has been enhanced through low carb no, that's um, I great. continue planning to do it. I've done it four years now because wow. that's when I started perimenopause. Now I'm postmenopause. Um, I'll, it's a lifestyle for me now. I will promote this and do this for the rest of my life because that's I know it works. If I do have a day where I do a high carb day, the next day I'll fast or do no carbs in that day um, and just do like one snack and one meal to reset mm-hmm. me and then continue on the low carb. Yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned low carb and you mentioned fasting. And I think when you've been in this world for so long, those two things are just kind of synonymous. And you you just know, like if you go low carb, you're going to be fasting. It's yes. really easy. What, yes. Did you go in that order or did you did no, you try to struggle through the fasting first? I started fasting first. Oof. Um, and I went 15 hours. Now I do 18 plus. Um, and it's easy each year that you do it. The first year it was really hard. I did exactly 15 or maybe 12 for a few months. And then I started increasing. And now it's just a lifestyle for me four years later. So the intermittent fasting is easier for me now. Um, I do have days where I slip up though. And then I just make sure I get back on it and maybe do a whole day fast, which is tough. Or I just do um, 
one dinner of, of low carb hmm. and I fast for that. What, how many hour hours that is, yeah. but I always usually try to eat within a six hour window Cool. and low carb. Yeah. Great. And so what low carb, if, if it's low carb, what foods are you most commonly including? I eat a lot of like grass fed burger and avocado eggs, um, butter, grass fed butter. I love Kerrygold butter, um, nuts, only a handful. The, the problem with nuts is that they can cause digestive distress because yeah. of the leptins in them. So I only do a handful a day. So if, if if people are replacing nuts for chips and stuff, it's really hard because you might have some gastric distress from that. So I usually mainly try to do, you know, chicken, fish, eggs, meat, and then tons of greens. Like wow. you've got to add greens to everything. So like eggs, greens, um, eggs, greens, and a piece of sausage or something like that, or bacon, but I don't eat breakfast. So, but I'm just for those who are listening. Um, so, or like a chia bowl, I'll put that chia, chia, a can of coconut milk, put it in your chia seeds, let it soak overnight. The next day you can do a little bit of nuts, some real salt. That's the brand. Um, I'll do coconut flakes and make it a real high fat. That's a really high fat, um, low carb breakfast that you can do or lunch or snack. Um, but mainly I do a lot of kale. Um, I chop up a, a whole thing of kale every week and keep it in my fridge. Wow. And so then I can just add it to like a bowl food. I love bowl food. So it'll be like greens and um, tiny bit of sweet potato sometimes, but a lot of protein like chicken or fish or beef or steak. Um, and then a ton of greens. And That's then I'll great. add some seeds into that too, like pumpkin seeds wow. sometimes or even blueberries. Mm. Because a lot of times if you don't add a sweet to your meal, you'll crave that sweet after. Mm. So I'll either do like a monk fruit sweetener in some tea with my dinner, or I'll put blueberries in the meal. And then I make all my own dressing. So lately my latest one is like a tahini. I use paleo mayo, tahini, lemon juice, um, Dijon mustard. And I mix that all together and put that in the bowl. Food. So it's great. a nice fat to add to anything. And you can put that on a burger. Um um, yeah, I don't do dairy because I'm, I have a dairy intolerance, but I used to do a lot of dairy when cool. I didn't, I didn't know that yeah. I did my genetic testing, but, um, yeah. Well, we talk about all the time, like on, on our show, like you got to know where you are. Do you need to be abstinent or do you need to moderate? And I found for me, if I had a little sweet, I would have all the sweet. And so I have to abstain. So I'm super jealous. I'm listening to you oh, and yeah. how you've been able to balance these things out. That's why I have to be fairly strict carnivore most of the time. Not even blueberries. I, I, I can't. It, the thing I noticed, I, I started playing with fruit um, yeah. that was growing in my neighborhood uh, two summers ago. And like a piece of fruit would fall on the ground, very limited, obviously in the time of year, but I pick it up and eat it between clients. And I just noticed like 20 minutes later, I was ravenously hungry and, and I experienced a blood sugar crash. So it sucks. I don't want to be the one going yes. around telling people but not to eat tailor notes. It sucks. It you sucks. Know? And so it's cool that you found yeah. that balance and you're able to moderate. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And for those people too, it's more like, okay, uh, avocado and two hard boiled eggs, smash it together with some real salt. That's your meal. And then you won't crave that's the great sugar. advice. So that's a real good, easy meal yeah. that I, 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 I bring that to work because I don't have to cook anything. Easy. <laughs> so I'll make a hard boiled eggs a bunch a week and do that. Nice. But yeah. So I do, I don't do a fruit in all my meals, but sometimes you can in case that's you great. want this. I love that. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, is this your first low carbohydrate conference? It is actually. What has what your experience been like so far? Oh, I love this conference. I want to come every year. Yes. I'll come back every year. What is it about it? You can watch you know all of it's these less... speeches on YouTube. Yes. The people are great. Um, usually 
you know, you come to the, I've come to a lot of these after you get CE credits every year. And it's like, they're so strict with like, you have to check off the box. If you went into this lecture and it's very regimented and this one's a lot more, um, just easy going, I would say, mm. and great people, great, great, um, great people who I've never really met on stage, you yeah. know, great doctors and, and the speakers. Yeah. You, know, you don't assume also that like these speakers who are, you know, world renowned experts are just going to be like in the halls. So they're going to be available yes. and you can just go up yes. and be like, yo, what's up? And they're all been really nice and receptive. I've yep. talked to a, few, a bunch of them and they're very, very receptive yeah. and nice. Yeah. You know, even though they're so busy. <laughs> yeah, totally. And don't you think there's something to the energy of having so many like-minded kind of people around that are all trying to do the same thing? Oh, yes. I'm an energy gal. Everything's intention and energy. And there's something here when I come, I I, I would say I'm a, a, a junkie with seminars and conferences because it's just the energy brings you up and you go back home. And that's like, if I can get some tidbits in each seminar, each lecture, and then I bring it home and implement it, it's just great for my patients to to feel my energy lifted yeah. and then have them lifted yep. in practice, uh, you know, in the clinic room. So I love it. That's great. It's well, like, it's this such... is how I get filled up. <laughs> yep, right? totally. Totally. And then, yeah, you get to go out and share that with the world. Yes, absolutely with love. everybody. Well, it's been super fun to get to know you and uh, we are now friends and we can always yes. be friends and I yes, will see you Casey. next year for sure. Yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. It's so nice to be on. So I, I'm Chris Dadler. I'm a, uh, a MD physician. I, I was trained in family medicine and then uh, transitioned into hospital medicine, uh, which I've done for the last 14 years. And then um, now I work, now I started a clinic of my own focused on metabolic health, wow. obesity medicine, et cetera. Uh, so board certified in obesity medicine um, as of a couple of years ago. Uh, but really the uh, what brought me to low carb initially was when I was working in the hospital and my time spent there uh, seeing all the, the horrible end stage complications of, of for metabolic health. And uh, you know, there, there's a particular moment with the diabetic patient whose glucose was out of control, you know, 300s. And of course we have them on the standard insulin. 300? Yep. Where it should yeah. be 80. Less than 100. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, in, in the hospital, the, the accepted range is 70 to 180. They're, they're a little bit lax with that. Um, and of course, we're throwing insulin at the guy and he's on his usual meds and so on. And I walk into the room after just looking at his glucoses and um, he had just polished off a, a plate, giant Belgian waffle, fruit, syrup, orange juice. Oh my God. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. This is like Gary Fecky. You were experiencing what Gary Fecky yeah, always yeah. talks about almost at the same time. Yeah, Exactly. And, uh, and so, so I stormed out of the room, called the cafeteria and asked why, what, what's going on here? Why, why did this, this patient have this ridiculous breakfast when he's on a quote unquote diabetic diet? And long story short, the diabetic diet allowed 60 grams of carbs per meal, uh, you know, plus you know, three times a day, that's three meals per day, plus, you know, a couple of 15 to 30 grams carb snacks, you know, so they could conceivably get, you know, 240 plus grams carbs in the day in the day in the hospital when they're acutely ill and uh and then we're chasing their glucoses all the time with insulin which is you know the very wrong way to to deal with diabetes and so so that launched me into a 
a whole bunch of research on my own. And um, this is where I discovered Dr. Westman and uh, and some other um, researchers um, in the in the earlier days. Uh, I can't remember the the name, but uh, the, have you heard of the low bag uh, bioavailable glucose? Um, so it's kind of a code word for low carb back early in the research. Yeah. I can't recall right now, but yeah, I, I'm blanking on the name. He was out of the Minneapolis VA. Okay. And, uh, cause I did some training there when huh. I was in residency Wow, or yeah, med school. And then, uh, um, so digging through all this research, I'm like, Hey, this is, this makes sense. Like this, this is the way to do it. And, uh, and, and I, did, I said, well, I'm going to try it myself. So I'm not going to recommend it if I haven't tried it. And so that's what got me into low carb initially. Were you dealing with any health issues yourself? So, you know, I had, I was overweight, uh, not terribly, um, probably 25 pounds more than I am now. Um, had reflux, um, had this persistent uh, knee pain, just a patellofemoral pain, just inflamed. Uh, I got irritated with stairs and biking and whatever. Um, and then the, the big one that I didn't know, I didn't really appreciate until afterwards that was related to my nutrition was every time I got a cold, I would get a, a lingering cough just a dry cough. It would last months, like five or six months. And, uh, and just something that I learned to live with, basically. It was like, this was all through um, high school, college, med school. Constantly had this cough. And at some point, I went to an allergist who specialized in chronic cough and, and uh, put me on steroid inhaler and voila, got rid of it. But next time I get a cold, wham, it's back. Come on, man. Well, this is just aging. <laughs> this is just dad bod. It's aches and pains. Doesn't suck to get older. Yeah, right, right. And so, uh, so, so after a, you know, this is well after training when I went low carbs, basically 2014. And then I would get a cold. And well, first of all, I would get sick much less frequently. Shocker. Shocker. And then I would never got that cough. I was like, holy cow. This is amazing. And I never had that lingering cough again, uh, no matter how sick I got. But of course, that was rare because my immune That's system was so, so much better consistent. too. So consistent with what yeah. everybody says. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the reflux went away. The knee pain went away. I had more energy. Uh, and I never never had that persistent cough, which was diagnosed as cough variant asthma, by the way. Um, I haven't used an inhaler since. It's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so you're seeing all these benefits in your own life. You're realizing like what's going on in the system. How are you starting to implement some of these things with your patients? Yeah, it, it was a challenge uh, because the hospital is so rigid in terms of the, the dietitians running the show on nutrition, and uh, and th- there's a lot of there's a lot of competing interests in the hospital. The patient wants to have their cake and eat it too. The the dietitians are are kind of slaves to the dietary guidelines as they were trained. And they really can't veer far from it. But they also, I mean, in my experience, they also believe it firmly. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're steadfast um, in, their, in, in following the dietary guidelines. This is what we That's learned. What exactly. This is what you should do. You're not doing it right. So let's right. coach behaviors yeah. so yeah. that you can do it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, kind of from my perspective, sure. too. Like, hey, I just spent how many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this, this education it must be state of the art. It must be current. It must be accurate. I must be getting the best education, yeah. right? Look how much debt I have coming out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure the dietitians feel the same way. Like I just went through dietetic school. Yeah. Um, this must be correct. I get it. 
Uh, and so, so I actually, so as part of this, this whole self-discovery, um, I launched a pilot project in the hospital implementing a 45 gram per meal carbohydrate per meal restricted diet, right? Not that big. We're talking one slice of bread and holy cats, <laughs> okay. uh, all sorts of rage from the dietitians over it. Really? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, they hated me about it over it. Uh, and I, you know, I showed them the data. I showed them all this research I've been uh, uncovering and you know, you know, one of the uh, physicians on the committee that I was working on was, uh, was very much in support of it. And I mean, he, he wouldn't necessarily go to bat for me, but, but he's like, yeah, let's, yeah, go ahead. Let's do this. Let's see, see how it pans out. And I got some interesting um, and favorable um, data, although I didn't have the support to, to do a robust project. Yeah. Um, so I, I worked, worked, worked to get this off the ground and there was just no support. Um, so I got some very limited um, data. You know, uh, it, it's not a rigorous scientific pilot project, but it's anecdotal. It if something. it's working, it's working. Right, right. And uh, and so then, you know, increasingly, I was talking to patients in the hospital about this, like, "Hey, here, you're diabetic, or whatever else is going on that was clearly insulin resistant um, manifestations." And so I would talk to them about diet and lifestyle and like, Hey, you can reverse your diabetes. You can get off your insulin or all these other medications and all this ridiculous blood pressure medication you're on. And patients loved it. They, they loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, doc, you're the first person to ever talk to me about nutrition. Like, I, I believe it. I know. Cause I came from the same system that they were all trained by. Right. I know what it was like. Uh, minimal education really no um, innovative thoughts in terms of nutrition, lifestyle, et cetera. It was just dietary guidelines. You just always hear that people are lazy. They're slobby. They're not going to follow the advice. They're not trying. I have not found that to be the case. People are trying with the wrong advice. That sounds exactly the same as what you're talking about. For sure. For sure. So, so yeah, patient after patient would, would just walk away. So empowered, like, yes, I'm going to do this. I would get follow-up emails from patients saying, Hey, I'm off my insulin. In two weeks after talking with you, I'm like, ha well, <laughs> how, how can I, then I was starting to think, how can I bring this to more people? How can I even follow up with my patients in the hospital? Because once, you know, once they leave the hospital, we're done. There's no patient-physician relationship at that point. And so, so that's where the idea for my clinic started uh, coming about. Um, and, uh, and then that's what I've been doing now for, for a year and a half, um, focused on metabolic health. That's reversing amazing. diabetes, dealing with, you know, addressing weight loss, obesity, weight loss, et cetera. That's amazing. So what does it mean to you when you come to a conference like this and you see so many other people, patients, doctors, people like me, trainers, nutrition coaches, like, like all, all of these people that found something so amazing that they can't shut up about it. They start their own clinics. Right. What, what is it like to be in a room with like-minded people learning from these people, what what does it feel like? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's very inspiring, very um, reassuring too that reassuring. that that we have a lot of uh, like-minded people who are who are committed to this this ultimate goal. And you know, let's face it, I I don't shame anyone in healthcare. I think everybody in healthcare means well. Yeah, and and like you said, it's an issue of education and awareness. 
I didn't realize this data was out there until yeah. 2014. Uh, so I went many years without, without knowing it. Yeah. But once I did, I mean, I, I can't look back. Yeah. And, and so, so it's super cool to see other people that have discovered it and are implementing it in various ways. Because, you know, it's like, like some of the talkers have, have said, it's, this is probably more of a, a grassroots uh, change that, that must happen. Is people, people need to find their successes, basically advertise it to their docs, yeah. and, and it's, it'll creep its way up. Yeah. And, and, and doctors are going to have to insist on, on changes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've met so much resistance in trying to do that. Um, not going to give up, um, but there's just so many things in place that, that make it difficult. So right. there's, there's lots of challenges. Chris, that story is so impressive. It's very consistent with what I see. And it gives me a lot of hope that, that other healthcare professionals out there could be like you. They are doing the best that they can. This information is not widely known now, but we may be closer to a tipping point. And so thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to stop by and share your story. That's really so amazing. So yeah, certainly. I appreciate it. Okay, hi, um, I'm Olivia Kwaja, and I um, am here from the UK, I'm just outside of London, and this is my second large conference, uh, it's really exciting to be here. What was your first? Uh, low Carb Down Under, just a few months ago, oh, in cool. Gold Coast, Australia, which wow. was also really cool. That's uh, quite a trip for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually... Um, part of a charity called the Public Health Collaboration. Mm. And we are looking to try and help educate people and improve people's health, um, talk, talking directly to the public, but also the medical community and um, and also doing some political lobbying on, on this topic. So, Does that have anything to do with the Unwins? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So, um, Dr. Unwin is the chair of our scientific advisory committee. I'm, okay. I'm on the board of trustees alongside a couple of my colleagues that are here. Cool. Um, we've traveled over as well. So, yeah, we're really, you know, excited and inspired, A, to be doing that role because it's really such an opportunity for us to really shape how we change people's health. And we're all very, very passionate about that. But also to be here and connecting with with all of you know, our international friends. That's in amazing. Yeah. We've had the honor of hosting both Jen and David at the right. same time. And I just was blown away. Like, I cannot believe I'm talking to both of you right now. Oh, they are the lovely. most they're wonderful amazing. people on yep. the planet. They are. They are like the power couple of local. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're um, very involved in the charity. And um, our new board of trustees that were appointed last year, we are um, been going through a process of getting to know each other and thinking about this area and, you know, exchanging ideas. And we are kind of at the point now where we're pretty clear that we are um, really focused on metabolic health um, because our name is public health collaboration. There was maybe a little question mark on, you know, is it something bigger than metabolic health? Could it be something to do with the water or to do with the air or you know, other public health issues? But that's never been the intention of why we were conceived, which was, um, I can talk about that in a minute. Um, and we've always been here for metabolic health. So we're now really pressing forward on how we can really make a difference in this space as an organization. In your opinion, why is nutrition the biggest factor? You mentioned a lot of things that could potentially be yeah. really harmful. Why is nutrition the, the biggest factor to you? Because I agree. Like, I think yeah. it is. Um, it's, it's definitely the most wide reaching. And, um, and I don't know if it is. It's a huge factor. There's no doubt about it. It's how we all live our lives. It's the quality of life we have. It's how long we're on this planet. 
So there's nothing to take, like you say, to take away from how important it is. But that doesn't mean that other things are not important as well. The reason we are not really focused on those things is because we are set up and we were conceived to be originally about trying to help people with type 2 diabetes. So the people that have been appointed to our scientific advisory committee tend to have a very deep knowledge of different uh, metabolic issues. Um, so that's what we've you know, been set up to do, really. So we're not trying to try to kind of do something which is beyond our, our scope and our capabilities because that would just be foolish. And we've got pretty much enough to do with, with metabolic health. You know, 80% of the illnesses that our National Health Service treat are to do with metabolic health. So that's pretty big in itself and daunting on its own without it's us thinking really about something else. Yeah. And we're also a charity. We're a pretty small charity. We're pretty much made up of volunteers all the way through. So, um, it's not really feasible for us to think of something bigger than what we've already sure. tried to bite off. So, uh, sure. but still, we're just hugely excited about it and just want to focus on it now. So, how did you get into all this? So, I um, I spent the last kind of twenty four years or so um, working for big companies, uh, always in strategy and marketing. So, we have two big national companies in the UK: British Airways, British uh, Gas, and I was working on both those companies. Took some time out to recover from extreme burnout of doing that kind of role at a high level and thought that I'd just have a, you know, have a little task to do on my to-do list of things you never get to do when you're working. It's just seeing how I could prevent myself from getting some of the chronic illnesses that I was concerned about. My parents had um, type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's between them and we nursed them through that and other illnesses they had for 10 years. Um, which was a huge you know, burden on us and something obviously we would always do, but it was, a, you know, it was a hard process for us to go through. And so I always had it in my mind that, you know, I'm going to have to have these diseases. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just do some research and just check if there's anything, you know, I can just eat a few more blueberries a week or something that might just reduce the risk of, of actually um, getting those in, 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 um, in, in time. So um, that, uh, that's where I started. And then I fell down this rabbit hole of finding out, oh, okay, so I don't actually have to, have to get these diseases. Disease is a choice. Who knew? I wish I'd known that when my poor parents were, um, you know, struggling through their years. Um, and that was mind-blowing to me as someone who's generally, you know, up to date on topics in the world and generally educated. Um, that is not only um, you know, a major a major issue. It's I feel like we've all been conned and we've all been put into this situation that we that nobody's trying to get us out of. So I then said, well, am I going to go back to a corporate life and do another job or am I going to actually use the skills that I've accumulated into this space, where, which I'm now very, very passionate about? So that's why I kind of ended up um, in the charity that I'm in. Um, I was keto for a couple of years and then gone to Carnival in the last year, um, really thriving on Carnival and really actually very excited about Carnival because, uh, you know, having listened to a lot of people, I really believe it is the species appropriate diet for us um it's a hard message for people to take though uh, if they are somewhere very different in their diet so i appreciate that's um that's a, a slightly different message and the main message from people has to be about getting off processed food and getting onto lower carb types of food i think um and if you get to the point where you want to optimize even beyond that then i think carnival is fantastic i just the way i i have found it in my experience is like when i put clients on Low carb, they do well. Yep. When I put clients on keto, they do even better. They lose yep. fat. But when they go carnivore, they heal. There's healing. Like like things that they have dealt with for yep. years and years and years, just magically. Yeah. 
go away. And nobody yeah. cares about the weight loss. And I thought the point that Sean Baker made yesterday was so impressive and valuable that like, what if I told you that you would die of heart disease? Let's say we're wrong about cholesterol. Yeah. Everybody here is wrong about cholesterol. You're yeah. going to die of heart disease yeah. in three years. Would you, would you stop carnivore? And people say, no, like, no, I'd, I'd rather eat this way. So true. You know, we've got to stop looking at it as, you know, we're accumulating some major issue in the future. And in fact, I was speaking to him about it last night. So just be healthy tomorrow, be healthy today, be healthy tomorrow. And that already begets what will happen in the future to, you know, 99% of the time. If you're feeling great now, it's more than likely that means that you've, you've got a, a, you know, optimal health as, as much as you can have it. That, um, that message has really changed my opinion of any kind of blood markers or yeah. any other kind of testing. How do you feel today? I think that's the best yeah. way to know that you'll feel great tomorrow and yeah. beyond. I think that's I, a great point. I think it is. I think, and the also, also, I think that there's, you know, people don't know that they feel bad. Like you get so used to carrying the burden of disease that you also don't realize that there is something better. So even when I was keto, it felt like, well, why would I bother trying carnivore? Everything is so great right now. I'd already lost loads of weight. I was already feeling fantastic. And, but you don't know what you don't know as well. You haven't experienced it. So, you know, I tried it because I was talking to someone who's a carnival person and he said, just try it for three months. And so I did. And then I was blown away because one day I woke up in the morning and I just felt just euphoria and it was like come on I want to change the world I'm so happy I'm so happy to be alive and like I've never felt like that before and and I never would have I was never depressed I was never right I never had an issue that yeah. I needed to solve yeah. but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try things and you shouldn't you know go as far as you can to to find out what optimal living is like and if someone has given me a clue as to what there could be something that I'm missing I'll try it you know what, what's the harm in trying it there's, there's literally no no cost to trying so that's such a great point. I love that you went there with that. We are here in this conference and we're discussing low-carb and carnivore. Everybody here is telling me that they feel amazing on low-carb and carnivore. If yeah. we go outside, out to the real world, we see the reality. Like go to the airport as you're flying home, you see what people are living like. What yeah. would you want somebody to know about this way of eating, because you're right. A lot of people are not open to this. They think yeah. it's insane or they, they're not willing to, to change their diet. What would you want somebody to know about the way of eating that you found in your new lifestyle? Mm. Yeah. What I want them to know. I mean, it's hard to describe to somebody how, how amazing it, you could feel because it just sounds too theoretical. It sounds like it's for somebody else. It sounds like, well, they're lucky, great. I think the way to get to people and the way I would approach explaining it to people is look at the story of nutrition because we've never learned that history before you know until I read Nina's book um and hearing about Nina's book until I'd even come across any of that I had no idea that nutrition had evolved the way it had and you know we have a book club that I run as well a carnival book club cool. and so we all discussed this very point in our book club which was we learn history about everything else, you know, every war that's taken place and every other issue that's happened in the world politically. Why are we not learning nutrition history, which is the foundation for humans to thrive and understand all of the different, you know, kind of factors that have, you know, different sides of the argument, not necessarily to get you to a solution that we want, but just, you know, how we've, how we evolved, how has nutrition changed, how is nutrition, you know, now coming through? Is that the right way? What are the different sides of the debate? None of that is, is accessible or even considered as something that people should know about. Yeah. 
And for me, that's where we need to start with education because until people recognize there's a problem, they won't realize that they are part of the problem and they won't realize they need to change. So, um, yeah, for me, that's how I'd, so I try and go to somebody. But yeah, I'm always coming at it from very much a kind of marketing background. So I'm always trying to think, how do you get, you know, how, a classic part of marketing is you have to have a burning platform. You have to create a recognition of the problem. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. And you go straight to someone on the street and say, try the carnivore diet. They'll be like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? I'm totally fine. Um, so you need to take, you know, because we're in the bubble a bit. So sometimes we get very, you kind of, you know, blinded by everything else and we think that we've got a solution we need to help about the solution but actually you need to take them on a very different journey to get them to move along the curve we want them to go to so it's very insightful olivia i've really appreciated this talk thank you so much nice to meet you casey nice to meet you So my name is Amy Herrera. I um, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm a uh, a nutritional detoxification specialist uh, and colon hydrotherapist and ozone practitioner. So when I was younger, I lived on a, uh, my family has dairy farms, so we did that whole dairy thing. Mm. So I always wanted to um, be vegetarian as a, at a young age because I saw a lot of like scary kind of uh, things as a kid in that conventional dairy farm interesting yeah and and great things too but a lot it just and back then you know i'm in my late 40s so back then it was being vegetarian was like the cool thing to do i was in california and that was like the other thing so i just became vegetarian like i was like oh i don't like me i'm just gonna be vegetarian um and i was vegetarian for a long time and then um and i was in fashion so of course vegetarianism thinness all yeah. of that especially in the 80s and 90s was yeah. really like pervasive like mm. so i you know the thinner the better that whole thing so i always I, I just i my my guts were not feeling good but i didn't realize that back then i just yeah. thought that's a, the way everyone felt right so um then eventually I, um, I got really sick when I was my like mid, like 31 ish and I had to leave my job in fashion. And I still didn't realize why I was sick. I mean, the diet bars I was eating, the, you know, the diet Coke and coffee for breakfast was probably part of that. Like Easy I, to look back yeah, on yeah, now, like but a, like a very, like very low calorie, like low calorie processed and your diet, like seriously, like calorie restricted. And no sleep, things mm. like that. Going to the gym and working out, like at like twenty four hour fitness, going and working out at like midnight, you know, wow. you know, because I get my workout in, you know. That was the most important thing. So anyway, so then I became, I, so I moved to Mendocino and became a raw foodist and a raw food chef, um, and I started getting better. I like literally started like feeling like I was healing. Um, green juices and just raw vegan, like to the max, like living in a community of raw vegan people. I saw these women, they were so vibrant, I thought, and like, I just, I wanted that, you know, so I did that, and I started, I did start feeling yeah. better, and so I did that for a while, and then so I was roughly for two years, so I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then I became fruitarian, called fruitarian diet, and like, I worked in Whole Foods, so back then, so I was like eating fruit all day long, I was just eating, 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 and I would run like 15 miles a day, I would run to a class, take two classes, and then run home, I ran after work like i was like oh my god it was insane 
I was always bloated. I'm, I'm getting tired. Can I take I guess, a nap? <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. And my husband's, my husband is a, a chef still. So he was like, and he eats meat. He eats everything. Like he doesn't care about any. Like he just eats whatever. And he is just like, you know, would make me all this beautiful food all the time. Like he made me amazing food. I would eat meat. I was eating all the time, bloated all the time now. And became, went to colon hydrotherapy, colon hydrotherapy school because colon hydrotherapy actually really helped me. Probably because I was eating so much fiber. Like I, it was like, you know, like I just getting clogs really helped me. So I started doing like doing that for people and started my business. And then a really, really, really stressful thing happened four years ago. Very, very, very stressful. Like so stressful that I, uh, I didn't know if I was going to make it like through, through, like, I didn't know what was going to happen like, wow. with my own health and wow. like, with my life. It was so, so stressful. And then the pandemic happened and then all these things happened. Um, my husband left for three years um, and he, uh, it, it was just, and he made all my food, you know, he was like, he literally fed me. Like, it was amazing. He like, we were apart. He was in Mexico for three years. And, um, and I, um, I like broke basically. I was not digesting anything. Like food was coming out like whole, like it was like, and I was trying to eat, I had switched to a vegan keto diet. So was, my blood sugar was crazy. So I was trying to like keep that in control. Cause I was like, I was always hungry. So I was trying to do like vegan keto. Which is like impossible. You know, that. It was very difficult. Yeah. It was Maybe so, like a little better. I lost like so much weight. It was like, I, I weigh like kind of like now I weighed like 95 pounds. Wow. I was like, what that, uh, like yeah. was, people were like, sorry, can I cast that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. People were like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Like, it was like, what, whoa. Some people were like, oh, you look great. I'm like, and actually, you know, like, anyways, weird fashion, sort of crazy mind was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, literally, my family's like, no, like, it was bad. I lost all my muscle. Wow. And I, like, as a vegan, you know, you have to work really, really hard for muscle. So I had, like, it was, it was crazy. So I just decided. He's how I found low carb. This is a long-winded answer to the question. Um, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts. Um, Gabrielle Lyons, this podcast is Gabrielle Lyons, and 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 just trying to figure out what I could do. And decided I needed and I needed to heal my gut. First of all, my gut was was fucked up. It was a mess. Like it was so bad. Like I had like parasites, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, like um, uh, major candida. I was living in mulch for 14 years and just had, and I found out all these things. And if you know, like I do about healing from mold and other diseases, you have to have protein. You have to eat meat. You have to. So I just decided one day I said, I just, I was hiding. I was like, I literally was like so embarrassed. I went to the to the uh, store. Like, oh no, I ordered online. I ordered, I ordered from. I ordered. Some, <laughs> I ordered like white or patches online or something. Like, a, like I just like hiding. Like, I was like in the vegan community. Like, yeah, like yeah, was, that's legit. It. So I was like, I just first actually first thing I did was I tried eggs, and I have I 
I do have an ache sense to me. I knew that from when I was a kid, but like it, I was laying on the floor in my office, like crying. I hurt myself so bad. So that wasn't good. So then I tried bison maybe because it's local. Like we have a lot of bison and I ordered a bunch of meat and all these other things, like just to try different things. And I can't remember the first thing. Maybe I don't know. I can't, I can't remember anymore, but I will tell you what I do remember is sitting in my house, crying, having like an, an anxiety attack. I called my, my neighbors who are my landlords and told them that I was having a heart attack and we called EMS because I thought I was having, like, I thought I was having a heart attack, but I was having, they came to my house. Okay. EMS comes to my house. I have like a Peloton, all these weights. I have a full gym in our house. And they're like, you are not having a heart attack. They're like, do you have any like mental issues? They're like, <laughs> because I was having an anxiety attack because I was eating meat for the first time in 28 years. Wow. And it was so fucking stressful for me. Wow. I was alone. I was, I felt so guilty. But the crazy thing is, after that experience, um, the EMS left, they're like, did you change your diet or something? What's going on? Like, like, they're like, something is not, they literally asked me if I changed my diet because the, the reaction I was having, I think was like, maybe in mineral amounts. I don't know what the hell was going up. They asked me that, which I found interesting. Anyway, a couple days later, I just, I kept doing it. I kept eating. See this chicken at first, and then it turned around to bison ground. And I would, like, make my little lunches and hide at work. <laughs> so no one see me. And I started feeling better. And I wasn't bloated. And my stomach didn't hurt. And... I did it for eight months. Like, straight. I didn't really tell anybody. And then I started slowly telling people. And my, I have clients that are like, oh, you're just eating meat now? Like, they were like so, because there's people are so, they think that veganism, vegetarianism, and meat is so bad for your right. intestines. I'm like, I'm an expert. I see people's poop all day long. Yeah. Do you know how much undigested food, like, plant matter I see in people's poop? Like, all day long? Like, a lot. Like, goji berries. This is good. Sorry. I'm just saying. No, this is great. Freaking goji berries and, like, like, sesame seeds and sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and, like, pieces of, like, like, kale and, like, huge chunks of, of of sweet potato and i'm like <laughs> this is not getting into your body this Dude, is going into your mouth hole exactly. traveling through your and body you, causing you, issues and you get rid of it you didn't take any of it in you think you're doing good and these people are like they're bloated and they're fat and they're and i'm like and they ask me they're like they literally ask me because i'm lean i'm like there's i mean there's not one many people that are lean to me here Really, and I mean, they ask me. They're like, "What do you do? What do you eat?" I'm like, "Meat. I eat meat and fat." <laughs> That's amazing. I and I literally like. Here's the other thing. I went to this raw, like, so I went on this cleanse because one of my clients, because I have pretty healthy clients. So one of my clients was like, she was six, and so she was like, "Will you come to this 
take me basically be my chaperone to this law class. It was like something that I would have done a long time ago. Like I would have probably been the chef at one of these things. But you were not doing that at the time. This is this is after, like, yeah. The, yeah, no, yeah. This is like a year ago. Okay, got okay? it. So she's like, can you come to this with me? And I do, and do this juice fast. And I did. I went to this thing and I did this juice fast with these people. And they, they were like telling, you should have seen the propaganda. Like, that was there. Like, I did. I did a five-day juice fast and it's fine. Like, I, like, I probably lost like five pounds though, but... The propaganda was like, they were talking about like fat makes you fat and like, like just all the things about animals and it was crazy i was like sitting there listening and i was i was like combative i was like challenging everything they were saying but contrast that experience with the experience you've had this weekend what's the difference because oh, yeah, we could totally, yeah. we, we could do the same thing yeah. we yeah. carbs are bad mm-hmm. v- vegetables can cause harm for people we can get really locked in so what is the difference so the, this could be considered the same thing. There was a lot. There was just a lot. You're right. But it's not like that. Because, well, first of all, there's science that's backing this up. This was, a lot of this was just like propaganda when I was at this event. They were also saying that fat makes you fat. It was just, my fat doesn't make you fat. If fat made you fat, I'd be fat. Yeah. And a lot of fat. I mean, I only coconut. I actually eat a lot, mostly like coconut butter and stuff like that because. I just really like it. And that's really good for me and it feels good on me. But I eat a lot of coconut butter. I eat a lot of, I do eat a lot of, we have a, a um, local like, like pasture raisins called forested, actually forested chicken. I eat a lot of that. And, and they have turkeys too. So I eat turkey and then I eat bison, lots of bison. Um, that's like what I eat every day. Amy, this is an amazing story. I'm so glad you took the time to sit down with me today. Yeah. So oh, grateful you. that you found that. Um, you can find healing in something that was different than what you were taught and that you had the courage to step out of that. And so glad you're here over this weekend to learn from all these people. And Thank yeah, you. I have to, for me, I have to question myself all the time. Like, am I getting too locked in? Am I focusing too much on this one thing? Am I getting too obsessed with this one thing? And it's like, you you, you spend a weekend with like-minded people mm-hmm. who are, really are sharing the science. And like, they're doing things that people are not doing that have not been done. And they're blowing minds and it's just, it's really amazing. I think it's so cool. Your story. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that I've saved myself a lot of, well, definitely my bone density. I had the bone density of like a 63 year old woman when I was like 30, I swear wow. it was bad. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but I that still didn't wake me up. I still was in it. I was because it was for the animals. Yeah, I right. thought it was for the animals. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing. But you need animals yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah. So it's like I didn't understand that. Yeah. I was so in that, and um, yeah. I mean, I you know we all have our own stories, but um, it just food is it makes a difference. It really saved me. Yeah. Um, that's so incredible. thank you, thank you for thank you, thank you for listening. Of thank course, no, we all do. have our own stories, I mean, and I'm like, yeah, it's so I'm great so obsessed listening to in your voice. I love your voice, <laughs> it makes me happy. I hate yeah. my voice.
do the radio voice. <laughs> However you like. You've got a good voice. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> hey, I'm Michael Burns from Denver, Colorado. And uh, I'd like to tell everybody about how I found low carb. Heart attack, April 2022, almost died. Sitting there at uh, Ann Schultz out there in Aurora and look overlooking my old stomping grounds and trying to figure out where I went wrong. And uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, about a week after recovery, because, you know, they go through the groin. It's not pretty. Came across uh, Dr. Barry, uh, amongst others about uh, the low-carb diet. It was quite amazing. And uh, I immediately went to carnivore. And within six months, I'd lost 60 pounds. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, went back to cardiologist right on time at 30 days. And uh, they ran me through the ringer. And uh, they did the CT scan, CA scan, something like that. And uh, they cut it short and said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're doing great. Talk. She wouldn't even answer my questions because I was ready for the die and uh, going through all that stuff. And uh, got to finally talk to the cardiologist. And uh, he said, you're, you're doing great and wasn't even interested in uh, wow. how, how I did it. Wow. Uh, did, I had, did they not seem surprised? Did they see lots of people that are able to? No, he says it's the most fastest recovery that I've ever had. He's ever had. And they were not interested in talking about lifestyle. Not even close. Nope. He just uh, congratulated me on being healthy again. and You won the lottery. You got way lucky. Gave, me the, gave me the boot. So, uh, <laughs> holy cow. So, I've been a big advocate of uh, the low-carb diet, which brings me here, of course. Uh, it's just amazing. The people here are incredible. First ever conference, low-carbohydrate conference you've ever been to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a wonder, you know, that I'm even here. But now I'm going to start spreading the word, which probably to you. Of course. <laughs> well, that is absolutely amazing. Now, Dr. Ken Berry is here. Yes. So is Sean Baker. I think they're all doctors. I'm not sure. But Have uh, you been able to talk to him? And Oh, yeah. What did he say? Um, he just nodded and smiled because, uh, you know, you only got a minute with him or two minutes with him personally, if you keep an eye out for it. And... Uh, uh, he sees it all the time, and that's what blows my mind. All of his patrons, or whatever you call them these days, uh, have the same stats. Your triglycerides go from 300 to 60. Average of 90 is okay. So here I am dying at, at 385 or something. Uh, weigh 265. Now I weigh under 200 pounds today. You look great. I eat meat. I eat meat. I eat meat. And then a couple of things once in a while. And then I eat meat. Uh, fattier, the better. You lose weight faster on fatty meats. Uh, I would like to learn how to spread the word. So I came here because all these people here are spreading the word. But they're coming up with the stats that are just blowing my mind on how the establishment is against it, against health. ADA, AMA, all of them. Uh, so I got to learn how to speak better and to associate with people on their level and let people know there's another way. There's a lot of blue-collar men, women, 
truck drivers, overweight, and uh, they still love their Twinkies. And I'd like to show them away before they become a statistic like me with the uh, MI. This is so fascinating because most of the people we talk to are the Dr. Ken Berries and the Dr. Sean Bakers and all of these experts. And it's amazing. I'm, I'm now sitting in front of somebody who didn't know anything about low carbohydrate less than a year ago, almost died, completely turned his life around because of this message. And you're right. Like, dude, like in all my years of training and nutrition coaching, giving people the standard advice, I could almost guarantee you that it wouldn't work. And giving people low carbohydrate carnivore, I can almost guarantee you that it absolutely will work. It's astounding. It, it is. It really is. Um, so I'm just trying to figure things out here at the, uh, what is it, Low Carb Denver Low Conference Carb Denver. Uh, 2023. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed and uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it. It's driving the wife a little crazy, but it's all good. Uh, kids are quite curious because they're avid uh, uh, technology minded and they're going to help me figure it out. Wow. So kudos to Carly and Caitlin. <laughs> kudos to Carly and Caitlin. Now, now, is that something you've also noticed, like the people around you seeing your transformation and getting curious about what you're doing? Has, has that, have you been able to influence some of the people closest to you? Yes and no. Um, some people, well, everybody noticed the difference in my appearance. I got a sharp mind now. But, you know, after racing motorcycles for so long, I still hurt a lot after a 12-hour day of work. Wow. I'm still, you know, in a lot of pain. Inflammation has gone way down. Everything, all the markers are right on the money. Absolutely great. Um, some people watch this whole thing evolve and are curious about it, and they'd like to look into it more. Some people that I think need it, I push a little bit on the subject and it pushes them away. Mm. So I'm at a loss, but, you know, the berries in the world say, uh, do it silently and let them come to you. Yeah. You mentioned carnivore and they freak out. You mentioned keto and there's better diets, but I'm learning here it's not a diet. Yeah. It is a lifestyle. Yeah. I've kind of known this, but it's been solidified. Yeah. But calling it low carb, all of a sudden, it's more easily available. Yeah. Uh, but the details, oh, the devil's in the details. Uh, it's, it? I, I, t today was, I've, I've been to several of these today. This morning session was one of the most mind-exploding sessions I've ever been to. It was fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. And we can watch that on your uh, 473 or whatever number. Yeah, be. yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> uh, well, this has been such an amazing and very inspiring conversation. I'm so glad. Yes. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm really glad that you're on this side of the dirt and <laughs> that you found something. You know what I mean? Like you found the right information and decided to try it. And now you're so excited. You would come to a very technical medical conference about this stuff and yeah. have that passion desire to share the message. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Some people want to know about it and most of them don't. Yeah. They're just, uh, they're making money selling sugary whatever's. Yeah. But, uh, if I was to leave with the bottom line, I, uh, cured 95% of my diabetes. I do not have a fatty liver. My kidney disease is gone. My neuropathy in my feet, being diabetic for 25 years, is going away. You can recover from diabetes. 
unless you go to the American Diabetes Association right. website and read and do what they say. That's right. Uh, I could go on and on, and I probably will go on. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. That's really incredible. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It is windy. I knew the sound quality wasn't going to be the mm-hmm. best anyway yeah. for doing something like this. Yeah. But it's good enough. And um, I just think it's really fun to capture everybody's story. So five minutes each of like how you okay. found low carb. Like, okay. Yeah. So. Bunko. Bunko. Bunko where we usually drink and eat not great, really good food for me. Um, but my Women family- are car chart. If you're right. over 50 mm-hmm. and you play any card games, yes. you guys are car charts. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And this is with dice, actually. So we're dice charts. Oh, is it? Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, my friend Maria had done it two years before I, and I had asked her numerous times how she managed to lose the weight. And she kept telling me NSNG, Vinnie Tortorich, no sugar, no grains. And I would look at her and go, yeah, that's great. You look awesome. And then finally, I um, reached a point where I was regaining weight I had lost, and I was going to have to buy a new set of clothes again. And I said, that's not what I'm going to do. So um, I went on NSNG, and I started so low-carb, high-fat, and I stopped eating all the junk. And I lost 40 pounds in spite of traveling four different vacations to places like Hawaii and Peru and every uh, other places where they eat a lot of sweet type foods or carbs and have six. So it's been four years in May. So I've successfully lost forty pounds and kept it off for three and a half years and I feel great. So that's, and we're sitting here in the sunshine, in the sunshine in Colorado, recording with meat in my mouth, meat in my mouth. (laughs) I was eating Chicken wings and, and uh, avocado. <laughs> you are eating chicken wings dipped in, dipped in avocado. avocado. That looks absolutely delicious. <laughs> Why? What was your resistance initially to what she was saying about no sugar, no grain? I mean, I would look at that plate if I didn't know any of this. And I would say like, wow, like suicide wish. Like you're going to die from I'm cholesterol. Die and, and I crave beef more than most foods these days. So uh, my resistance was that it was going to be hard to give up all those things that I grew up on, like potatoes and, you know, especially potatoes, probably rice, pasta, ice cream, all of those things. And instead I found that, you know, I don't need those things. I eat them once in a while if I really want them. Do you really miss them? No. On a day-to-day basis? No, I do not. Mm. No. Mm -mm. When I go out and I see something that looks really good, then I may decide to have something. Mm. But but normally when I go out, I do my best to just stay the same way mm. and eat this way. And I eat a lot of steaks and beef. And so can you ribs. talk about that a little bit? Like, because that's so consistent with people that I work with is like so few women have a taste for red meat. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, it looks gross. I don't like it. I don't like the fat. There you go. Nice. Down the hatch. <laughs> um, and they, they don't really... They're not getting nearly enough protein from any source. And so they right. might start by getting a little more chicken, a little mm-hmm. bit more fish. Like, yeah. you, but, but over time, I just, I tell people like, don't worry about it. Don't put any pressure on it. But you're going to be surprised in three months or six yeah. months or nine months. You're yeah. going to be eating steak. Yeah, no, I de- definitely. And and my, even now my husband will say things like, well, we've, we've had a lot of beef this week. And I'm like, so, okay, great, whatever. <laughs> what does that mean? But I give in, I do compromise and we'll eat some really good fish or what, you know, but then you have to have sources of fat with it. So 
you know, you, you do tend to eat more fish. I mean, a serving of fish last night was eight ounces in the restaurant here. Mm. And that was about right. But I also had chicken wings with it. Nice. So. <laughs> Wow. So that was it. But I think it does take time to get past that sort of diet mentality. It came up in the talk, why didn't why don't women eat more protein? And we've all been taught to eat salads. Yeah. That that's the right way a woman yeah. maintains a, a, an okay weight yeah. and loses weight, whatever. Yeah. And it you know, that didn't work for me. And I was the queen of fruit and veggies. Wow. Weight watchers. Wow. At the dinner they did last night, they brought out a salad plate and i i have not eaten any vegetables in four years i just have not i don't (laughs) like them i don't miss them so much better on carnivore but they brought the salad out and just you know i was like i'll have a taste like maybe it'll be fine maybe it'll be fine and i I took one bite and was like this tastes awful (laughs) so don't eat it and then i didn't (laughs) exactly well i like some of the flexibility though i mean sean baker saying hey if you want to eat some vegetables eat some vegetables you know and i think that will make it this way of eating more accessible to more people I love that idea. Yeah, I love that idea. It's it's fun to come to these conferences and debate which sub-fractions of cholesterol are problematic. But the reality is, even though those are fun to debate, like, if you go to the real world, like, let's not worry about that. Let's not squabble over little things. Like, people are very sick. Let's let's get them off of carbohydrates and onto something better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, and that has worked for me. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Who's next, ladies? Oh, she oh, has a good story. Yeah, too. Terry, you, 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 should should go, you go. piggyback the, off yeah. that one anyway. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. hi, I'm Terry. And <laughs> hi, Terry. Uh, four years ago, I was incredibly sick, type 2 diabetic, out of control on 200 units of insulin a day. Wow, I, that's a fatty lot. Fatty liver disease. I was 130 pounds overweight. I had just finished... Uh, becoming a two-time cancer survivor. And so I was being followed by um, a pulmonologist because my bone cancer is supposed to show up in my lungs and my kidney cancer is supposed to show up in my bladder. So I had a lot of doctors watching what I was doing. And I went to my pulmonologist at that point and he said, you know, Terry, I'm sorry, but you have to lose 100 pounds by the next time I see you or you're going to go on full-time oxygen. And I was very sad. And I went over to a friend's house and said, what am I going to do? I'm going to be an old woman well, well before my time. And uh, she said, I heard about this person at Bunko who's having some really good success with That's NSNG. Amazing. And uh, Did you think it was bananas? Oh, yeah. And I no sugar, no grains. And I'm thinking all the food I eat is sugar or grains. Mm-hmm. There is nothing. I, I didn't really care for beef at that point. Um, you know, I'd eat shrimp or something, but I really wasn't a big meat eater. And of course, I had learned over time that I was supposed to eat all these vegetables because that was the way I was going to stay skinny. Apparently, it hadn't worked <laughs> because I was really sick. And uh, but so I jumped in full, full uh, swing on that. And you know, I haven't looked back. That's it's been almost it's gone on four years. And uh, so the cool thing is, you know, six months later, I go back to my pulmonologist because he's going to look at my lungs again. And uh, they weigh you before you go in. And all of a sudden he's standing at the door. He said, I had to see this for real because I didn't think it was the same person. I, at that point, I had lost, I think, about 60 pounds. Um, but I'll throw in. I was off all insulin in six weeks. So <laughs> type 2 diabetes is can be put into remission. Mm-hmm. This is, um, you know, think of all the 
pharmaceutical companies that would go out of business if they didn't have to make insulin. Just saying. So, uh, you know, and the end of that story is I've now been let go by my pulmonologist because he said, you know, all those things I was watching are all gone. So you don't need me anymore. Call me if anything changes. Um, I went on to lose about 100 pounds total. Um, Still maybe could do some tweaking, but um, I'm mostly carnivore now. I did start out eating um, no sugar, no grains, which also is no sweeteners. I do not do sweeteners. I do not eat fruit. Um, It's really, you know, meat, fish, eggs, and maybe a few vegetables. I do like avocados. Um, But you know, I really don't miss anything and I am so much more healthy. Just imagine I was on all that insulin and I don't have to take insulin. I'm actually off all my meds now. I was on heart meds. I was on, cause there were other problems too. It's all gone. It's totally all gone. I feel great. I, you know, I eat uh-huh. NSNG, but I also call it, you know, with Dr. Ken Berry, the proper human diet, mostly carnivore, you know, other than throw in a few little bits here and there. Um, it's just, it saved my life. So then another time I went to that pulmonologist before he released me. And because I was healthy at that point, he took the the entire appointment to say, tell me what you've done. I need to know. He, I was, that he was going to be one of my me, questions. He did ask. This is an amazing doctor. Yeah. And so he asked me, what have you done? And I started telling him and he cut me off and said, you know, that everything you're saying is totally against what I've learned in medical school. And I said, I know that. And how many of those people? Oh, because one thing he said was, I've, he said, do you know how many people I've told lose 100 pounds or you go on oxygen? He's like, I don't know. He goes, I've been saying that for decades. He said, do you know how many people did it? I don't know. And he says, one. I'm like, oh, good for them. He goes, no, 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 Terry, it's you. You're the only one who has ever done it in decades. So that's when he started asking me, what are you doing? And we took the whole appointment for me telling him, and I hope that helped other people because the key is we got to get this out there. These diseases are not lifelong sentences to misery. They can be, you can go into remission. There's so much more life out there if you're eating properly. And I can tell you, this is maybe not to sell it, but I have done zero exercise because I did have bone cancer. My leg's been rebuilt. You know, it took me, years to really learn how to walk again without pain and all this kind of stuff. So I did this without exercise and I'm not unique. Everybody can do this. This is not hard. I love, and I wasn't a meat eater, but now, you know, right in front of me, I've got um, no sugar pulled pork. I've got bacon. I just finished an egg cup <laughs> that had bits of prime rib. You got in your it. friends reaching over and stealing <laughs> all of it. Like yeah. oh, bacon, that's so good. Yeah. It's a shared amount. <laughs> it's, you know, so I and I don't believe in sharing bacon that often, but we made enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, I had egg bites that had prime rib in, or not prime rib. It was uh, rib bite in them. I mean, there's a lot of good food to eat, and it's food that's good for me. It's not food that is terrible and it's not hard to do and being a you know a weight watchers person for decades that never worked how old are you i am 65 you are kicking ass thank you taking names it's it's just the best ever and i could have been dead by now Mm -hmm. you know i truly could have my diabetes was so 
out of control. They were trying to figure out what else could they give me? I was already on tons of insulin and everything else. Nothing was fixing it. Well, I was also eating the standard American diet. I, I, I did. Fruit's healthy, right? Eating a bunch of fruit. So now I'm really on a mission because I have a son with severe disabilities and mental illness. And I know that the home he lives in feeds him the standard American diet. He's eating carbs and sugar. That's really what he's eating. And I'm on a mission to attack the mental health that you know agencies. And that's why I wanted to hear Chris Palmer so much. God bless Dr. Oh. Chris Palmer. Super oh, amazing. amazing. Because that and book. he brought, oh, I inhaled the book, listened to his talk. He brought me to tears because it means there's hope out there. Yeah. There's hope. This is all a mental illness is all the mitochondria. It's a metabolic disorder. And there are ways to make it better. There really are. I truly believe that. And we just need to get all of the agencies and everything else that that don't believe this is true. We need to get them on board. <laughs> and and I heard there was going to be a bill up at the legislator. We, we haven't found it yet, but I've heard rumor that there's going to be one about bringing in low carb into some of the mental health wow. institutions here in Colorado. Man, I'm God, if I can find that. that, I'm up there testifying on the Hill. I swear I'll do it because this message needs to get out. So thanks for doing your podcast. Thank because you for sharing that. You're that getting, is so You're powerful. getting the message out. And in any way it can get out, everybody needs to I, hear this. I agree. I think we all have a voice and we all have a part of sharing. Yep. Big or small, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, yep. Terry, that's amazing. Thank you. One more to go. Let's hear about your story. Okay. Hi. I'm Robin. Hi, Robin. Cool sunglasses, by the way. Oh, thanks. All They're the my actual glasses. glasses. They just tint up. So, nice. yeah, but I'm, I like purple. So, um, I have been low carb at NSNG for almost six years now. And I heard about Vinny Tortorich through what we call the Corolla effect. My husband listened to Corolla and told me about it. And then, through a series of events, that's that was the the option that I chose. Uh, the reason why was I had I was just turning forty. I had gone to a doctor's appointment, and uh, you know, standard blood test, and my forty year old rite of passage was being told I was going to have to be put on statin. And um, so, thankfully, I knew enough to say, you know what, there's there's another way to to handle this. I asked my doctor if he would be okay um, with me trying a dietary intervention instead and uh you know will i die between now and six months from now and he said no let's do it so i did um and between i I can't remember exactly how much weight i had lost because it was never about weight for me but between those those six months i'd lost uh, um probably 20 30 pounds and And this is nsng you went no sugar no grain no sugar no grain nsng started listening to viddy religiously just you know just you know, the, at that time, I was still eating vegetables, and 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 it was just a combination of vegetables and meat cooked in in um, healthy fats, as in usually bacon fat or um, maybe olive oil, so healthy something like that. Healthy bacon fat, yeah, what? absolutely. <laughs> so um, within that six months, I went back to the doctor, and we did the blood tests again, and he agreed that what I was doing was great, and we didn't go on the statin, and he said just keep doing what you're doing. Was he curious to learn about what you were doing to share with other patients? Absolutely not, but he was at least supportive of me. So That's something. He, I mean, he was just. It wasn't um uh, as most standard doctors these days. They don't have the time to have 
have that conversation. So he didn't have the time to have that conversation. He just knew that whatever I had chosen to do was working. Yeah. And, and I, we really did not talk about yeah. that diet at all. Um, and also to use the word diet, I never um, considered it a what people usually associate with the term diet as in I'm going on a diet. I was making a dietary change. I was I was changing my life based on the food that I was was consuming. Um so in the course of that time my husband lost his job. Um they did some downsizing. He couldn't find work. We were living in South Carolina at the time. He couldn't find work and we made the decision that we should moved to Texas. So um, this is when I started realizing and where I didn't say um, I had suffered for well over a decade with um, depression and bipolar disorder. And um, I have two children. They were young at the time. And um, I feel like I just missed their life. But when we made this move, I realized that I was able to handle First of all, the fact that my husband was gone three months before the rest of us. So I was handling packing up a house, uh, doing all the last things that the kids could do while we were still in their the home that they grew up in for 10 years. And um, I just started realizing I was I was not panicked. I was not anxious. It was I was just kind of going with the flow. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm maybe I don't need these meds anymore. I was on a a um, a cocktail of meds. I can't even tell you. Every time I saw a different psycho- uh, psychiatrist, I was di- I was given a different pill. Nothing was working. I just was always going from pill to pill to pill to the point where I was basically just a lump in the corner of the room, just watching life go by. I had to set an alarm to wake up, to take the kids to school, to go home, to go right back to sleep, to set an alarm, to wake up, to go pick up the kids from school, to get them fed, bathed in bed so that I could go back to sleep. And that was my life for a decade or more. Um, So realizing that, you know, I was starting to kind of see color again. The world wasn't gray. Um, So I did work with the doctor that I had had chosen to see in, in Texas, and I told them, when I was doing no, they didn't care about the diet. They just were interested in my my thoughts that I could possibly titrate down and get off. So, uh, within a year and a half of being an SNG, I had I had started that process of titrating off of all of my medications. And uh, two years in, by two years in, I was completely off all medications, and I have not gone on an antidepressant or an antipsychotic since. And um, this is my life. This is how I eat. I am very well aware of what will trigger me. Uh, I actually was part of an experiment um, uh, because it turns out that I am LMHR, lean mass hyper responder, and we were trying to control to see when I, I went into this willingly knowing it was an experiment, if adding a little bit of carbohydrate back into my diet would actually reduce the numbers of the extremely high LDL that I had. And it, in fact, does work. However, it put me back into my depressed state. I didn't want to get out of bed. I, the first, My first thought on waking up was, when can I go back to sleep? I saw these things happening. So I know that for me, that even a minimal amount of carbohydrate is going to trigger the things that are going on in my brain. So I am, in fact, uh, mostly carnivore. 
here at the conference, I've had to uh, make some some slight adjustments because I haven't had the piles and piles of meat that I would normally eat at home. Uh, so I'll eat avocado. I actually made a real concession. I had to eat some nuts this week, some academia nuts this week. But um, other than that, I'm I'm almost completely carnivore, and this is That's there's there's no other way for That's me. absolutely incredible. So we've we've interviewed. Dave Feldman and Dr. Sotomoto, who is conducting some of the research on lean mass hyperresponders, which means if you're at a certain body mass, essentially what can happen with the LDL cholesterol, what doctors call bad cholesterol, is not that it goes high, but it goes like sky high. Like oh, scary, mine was beer. greater than 3,500. Oh. 3,500? Yes. Wow. But my, my, my um, triglycerides are like, 40? 60, yeah. Even, even if it was 60, yeah. It was wow. like 40. I can't even remember. I just know that greater than, like, it was amazing, like, off the charts high. So we thought we would try this. Um, but I have a CAC of zero. I've, I've taken the familial hypercholesteremia uh, genetic test, and it's, and it's you know, I don't have that. So um, that's where I am. So I know that I live in a world of no man's land because we don't have the studies yet. But my my doctor and I both agree that, you know, the power of zero, like we were talking about uh, yesterday, is that, you know, we're going to keep an eye on things, but it's not the forefront of our of our How issue. How do you not run up on stage and start making out with Dave Feldman? <laughs> well, actually, Incredible. I did. I um did apply to be part of the study, and I did ha- uh, did not qualify. However, I'm so excited with his news that this might open up again, and I'm I'm hopeful that I may get a call back. Um, revealed preliminary information. Just very exciting information. Mind blowing. So I did. I did go up and I spoke to him for for quite <laughs> some time. In right. fact, we walked and talked for quite some right. time. And um, it, yes, yeah, so, so uh, I'm just so excited about what he has coming out and what's come. What's going to be, you know, what we might know. We know what we know now because of what he, the bomb he dropped on us, and then what's going to come out a year from now and possibly two years from now. That I might not live in no man's land anymore. I might have a a contingent of people who are just like me that maybe don't have to worry as much. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very hopeful for that. That's yeah. amazing. You are three humans that you did not know existed in the world <laughs> five minutes before this conversation. We're out in the sun enjoying our lunches, which I'm totally stuck. Some They're of us really from totally Texas stuck. might be shivering a little, but it's okay. It's sunshine <laughs> and I'll take it. Skin, skin, <laughs> skin. Go back to where I am. Um, well, I'm mm-hmm. glad you joined us for lunch. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. We got to capture this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's been really incredible to like listen to people and the way that they've heard this. What does it mean to all of you to be at a conference like this, to be in a room with a thousand like-minded people and just not only not only hear the experts and and you know the latest research, but also just be around like the energy of just people that are like happy and thriving and doing well. What does that mean to each of you? Oh, for me, I can tell you it's so energizing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and also I have to admit, this is my first low carb, low carb conference. And I was a little bit of a groupie. Um, you know, oh yeah, no, little is not the right term. That would be a She just there, runs off and goes there and were like, people I, need to meet them. I wanted to meet in person and a lot of them. And, and what's really cool is they were so gracious to talk to me. I'm like, who am I to you, this big visionary? And 
invariably, everyone gave me the time of day. Everyone, not one, no. said, no, I don't have time. I've got to talk here no. in 30 minutes. So we're going to go over something no. super no. technical. And, and very different questions for each one. And every single one was happy to stop from where they were running off to and really pay attention to my questions and talk to me. And then, you know, take a picture with me because I'm a groupie. But um, it it's just so cool to get the answer from the people who know, not five steps down the line. These are the people on the forefront, the cutting edge, and they know this stuff. And I got to talk to them. That's I amazing. mean, how cool is that? It's so amazing. Trust me, coming from somebody, I brought all their bobblehead dolls and the posters. <laughs> I brought the playing cards. I asked for autographs. Like, trust me. Well, total you fanboy. You see but under her sweater but i did have to write i had to represent nice excellent be here excellent. so i did have to write nsng that's great name what tag. was what was your experience in the conference um you know uh i have been i just feel like i i'm trying to respect people's pro, uh, privacy at the same so i i know that it's me holding myself back from going to to uh, just running up to people <laughs> and i want to but i haven't um but it's been uh great what i'm what i'm really taking away even though we've been just absolutely bombarded with mm-hmm. scientific and cited cited information but really what i'm taking away is how important it is to share the story yeah and it's more that we can get out there and share our own personal story or connect with something that we're very passionate about um and trying to make those changes um the 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 more those of us who are doing this uh, can be taken seriously and kind of overpower the current narrative whatever in you know that can that can cover a lot of bases, but uh, so I am definitely taking that away from this experience. I'm just, I'm just really glad to hear they've been more doing a deep dive, I think, than I have. But to to meet these people, see how normal and everyday they were, and to hear that, yeah, that, like like Ken Barry was an overweight, morbid, like obese doctor, and look at him now, and and uh, that's amazing. Oh, look at Nina Teichel. Oh, my my goddess, Nina Teichel. She was the first book I read. I choked up when I interviewed her in the introduction. I couldn't get through the introduction without crying. She was amazing. That book was amazing. It it just, it taught me that it was real. We had been scammed for years. We had been told wrong information. And uh, every one of us who have followed it have ended up in bad places. Not everyone, but any of us well ladies we are lifetime friends now and i so appreciate you sharing it with i want to i want to so say much. one more thing that's um kind of fun i went out into the hallway and so i'm from texas and i went out to the hallway here in denver colorado and my doctor that i see was here wow so and Very he's based cool. out of oklahoma wow um, dr greg dennis he also has oh, fit rx podcast yeah i've interviewed him he's great um, i didn't know he was here until yeah, he just yeah asked a question. yeah he just asked a question yeah. uh so i mean how amazing is that to know that the doctor that you see is like-minded and not only that wanting to continue his education and deep dive just as much as i do so it's pretty pretty amazing to just like walk out and see him do that thank you so, for sharing that that's yeah. so awesome. yeah Ladies, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Absolutely. Glad you're here. 
So thank you so very much for listening to that special episode from the attendees of the Low Carb Denver 2023 conference. I hope you can understand why I got a little bit choked up in the introduction that those stories are very, very special. And I just think of all of those people as individuals and, and the lives that they live and, and how low carb has, has changed their worlds. It's just really powerful and special. And again, I hope you get inspired by that. Please, if you don't mind, if you haven't already, leave us a rating on Apple. Um, podcast. It's a really great way for other people to find this show. And we really appreciate all the reviews that you leave us. It's it's really wonderful to see this show grow over time. Um, definitely check out episode 413 with Jeffrey Gerber as we talk about the conference as part of his story and how he puts it on and all the things that go in with that. And if you're ever considering going to a low carbohydrate conference, I've said this many times, you will not miss the money. You will not miss the time that it took to travel. You will not miss a weekend of your life. <laughs> you're going to be in a room with experts and researchers and doctors and also everyday people like you heard in this episode and with this common goal, this common energy of changing the world, changing the life through health, through doing something that's very unconventional that, that people are not talking about enough. And so if you're ever on the fence about it, I, I promise you, I promise you, promise you that you will love it. You will not miss the money and you will make memories that will last a lifetime. So with that, we will close this episode and thank you so very much as always to listening to Poundless Body Radio. Thank you.